0: Welcome to the Chelsea Fancast, uh, your your host with the most, Mr. Stamford Chidge here. It's our Friday night soiree, also known as the Friday night preview show, uh, a show which I am actually very fond of. I like doing this one for some reason, not least because I, I get to see the little smiling face that is Jonathan Kidd for the second time, in fact this week, third time in a week.
2: Third time, Chidge, surely too many, surely, surely.
0: Never get enough of you, mate oh jeez thank you how lovely i love
2: you to see your little face as well
0: ah uh, ah oh, good
2: yeah have you have you been all right i've yeah. been
0: all right mate i've been all right have we got somebody uh, else on the show tonight
2: um uh, oh yeah we do yeah of course yeah it's 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 the great grocer jack himself it is the great uh um uh um, all his opinions are always good ones even if occasionally we do uh we do find less it,
3: So these days, yes, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. I am going to say, but the, the odd moment where we have a I think in fact what normally happens is you say you say, no, I, I disagree with it completely. And then you go, oh, no, we in fact, we were we were thinking on the same lines. Yeah, it, it sort of evolves as the show goes.
3: I believe that's called a grown up conversation. Yeah, apparently.
2: Absolutely. apparently So,
3: yes, apparently so.
2: <laughs> it is, of course, the fantastic Tony Blubber. Lovely to see you. Tony.
3: Good evening. Thank and it's lovely to be here. As my as my super sub image grows, um, uh, ever 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 greater, you know, I like to be brought off the bench. I like to think of myself as the tour Andre Flo
0: of mm. the fan cast. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Um, the disproportion in height, though, is something that would be quite alarming. <laughs> Of course absolutely yes, yes you know <laughs> I, I couldn't resist that one Tony um look it's brilliant to see both of you here as always it's always great I do I honestly I mean it I, I don't know why it's such a different show but I really like I really like doing this one but there you go um we've got a packed show for you tonight as ever um obviously uh in the part three we'll be previewing the Brentford game which is tomorrow at half past twelve. I can't wait because I shall be on the Rattler, which means I shall be drinking yes. <laughs> Long time since I've actually got horribly, horribly drunk at a football match, but tomorrow could be the day. Um, part two, we've got a, a lovely opposition view. He's been on before, actually, but uh, he's an old mate of an old mate of JK's. More will be revealed in part two, and of course, we're going to kick off, uh, which is with what is loosely called Chelsea news. Uh, apart from the fact that there's absolutely fack all news going on, really. Or well, put it this way, there's no news that I'm interested in. <laughs> put it that way yeah but i tell you what i tell you what is news um and i re- i mean jaco and i touched on it last night in our in our beautifully formed in off the post show um and that is uh that is the christmas eve fixture scheduling oh, and i teased hey. that royally we're going to kick off with that in a minute but but don't forget don't forget you can listen to this show live i've every Monday and Friday at approximately half past seven by going to Mixler, which is uh, chelsea-fancast.mixlr.com, where you can join in the chat by posting on the live chat page, as so many of you do. Lots of lovely, lovely people in there, the the usual suspects. I won't embarrass them with a shout-out. I'll save that for later. But uh, you can also follow us on all the socials at Chelsea Fancast and listen and subscribe on Acast, Spotify, Apple, and all good podcast platforms, and make sure you give us an absolutely... Hum dinging five star gold plated review, or something that's what the sponsors told me to say. I, I don't really care. Um, right now, uh, the matters at hand. Um, now I've known about this for a while because, of course, being on the Sports Trust, I, I get little juicy snippets from this. So I knew that the Premier League were plotting uh, shifting the uh, the, che- the Wolves Chelsea match, which had originally been scheduled for Saturday at three o'clock on the 23rd of December. To Sunday, the twenty fourth of December, one o'clock, and that would be, of course, Christmas Eve. Now, those of you with long memories will know that when I was the Supporters Trust chairman back in two thousand and seventeen, they they tried this on. uh, Not just they they rumoured it might be us. uh, They rumoured it might be Arsenal. They rumoured it might be Liverpool. And all all three trusts, Liverpool's, uh, Arsenal's, and us, we all kicked back. I remember I wrote a scathing, excoriating article in Football. London at the time. Um, we even got the club to semi kind of. <laughs> they had to be very careful because, of course, the, ultimately the broadcasters and the Premier League are their paymasters, pay so they were always going to find it very difficult to come out and say, "Yes, you're all bastards and you treat the fans with, like filth." So fuck off. They were never going to go and do that. But but the, what they did was really good. Steve Atkins is a great guy. I was very fond of Steve, and he he did he did the, he did the absolute most that he was able to do, and it helped. And the the Premier League and the broadcasters backtracked and scuttled off into their dastardly lair on some Caribbean island where they smoke big cigars, drink fine whiskey, and plot plans to fuck the supporters off. Anyway, here we are. Uh, six years later, God, it's six years. I can't believe it. That long ago, six years later, and they've done it. And I, to be honest, I don't see them backing off this time. Uh, obviously, the Supporters Trust have uh, put out a statement saying that we're we're dead against it, and uh, we want to meet uh, the Premier League and discuss it. Um, I'm just going to give you all a quick overview, really. I mean, the bottom line is Mark. Mark, by the way, Mark Meehan of this parish, who was also the Sports Trust chairman, has been on TalkSport several times and other media too, putting up a really good case, and he's done fantastic. very well. He yeah. was fantastic, wasn't
2: he? Oh wow, wow! Brilliant, really fluent, and made all his points so well, and a huge number of points he made in a in a brilliantly relaxed um, manner were fantastic, fantastic advocate for uh for not playing the game but on uh on christmas eve and uh it, it, mark is just s- such an ambassador for the club as well absolutely brilliant
0: brilliant he is, he is indeed i mean you know the points are these really you know there's a reason why christmas fixture christmas eve fixtures haven't been played in this country for 28 years since 1995 it's a terrible day for travelling. A lot of people want to spend time with their families or are travelling to see their families. So it's a fucking inconvenient time to put a football match on for people who, frankly, we all—I mean, because we do—we feel compelled to go. Um, I do see people on Twitter saying, "Well, don't be such stupid idiots. You don't have to go," and that's absolutely right. Clearly, we all—not one of them. Yeah, yeah. I don't—I don't disagree with that tone. We all have a choice to go. You and I both know, though, Tone, I mean, you and I would just say, fuck it. But there are many people out there who find that very hard. For me, the the, the other problem, by the way, before I get into what I really think, is, uh, you know, it's also very unfair on the staff who work for these football clubs who are also expecting to, you know, ha- you know, get home early enough to spend some time with their family or go to wherever they might be staying on Christmas Eve. Um, Even and- Pochettino
2: today said it yeah. was actually unfair on Argentinians. Yeah. yeah. Because the twenty third has much more religious significance yeah. for them, yeah, and uh, and he said it was going to upset his wife and his family.
0: Oh. Yeah, no, no, exactly right. So it, it it's basically inconvenient for the fans, whatever you think about whether they can they can go or not. And as I said, I totally understand that you can make a choice and you're able to do that. It's very unfair on the employees of the clubs who don't have a choice. So you know, the real reason for me, the biggest problem that I have, is that this is yet another example of the premier league and the and the broadcasters you know saying one thing and doing another you know they all say how important supporters are the the supporters you go to the matches are we help to create the product we create the atmosphere we we help sell it around the world and then then they shit on you because they just try and make it very difficult for you to go and really for me what i'm most pissed off about is the message that it sends to us which is we don't give a fuck about you You can all fuck off. You're not important. And that pisses me off. And that's why it shouldn't be happening. Oh, one other thing, very quickly. Mark actually mentioned this when he spoke to Cundy and O'Hara last night, but not by name. But he mentioned a a chap who is flying in from America, from Los Angeles, in fact, was, was originally flying in on the 24th because he wants to come and see me and go to the Boxing Day match against Crystal Palace on the... Uh, on the Tuesday uh, it would be the Tuesday wouldn't it uh, and he flies out on the 27th back he's now completely fucked up because he you know he, he can't go to see the Boxing Day match he can't go and see it because you know it's been moved because we're having to play on Christmas Eve and I bet you he won't be the only one anyway Mark mentioned that last night on the radio which I was very pleased about anyway enough of me what do you boys think who do you want to go first you go first Bernie. You go. okay well um it's so another one I think
3: I do think it's an absolute scandalous outrage and another massive infringement uh on uh on on a time when people are traveling the families got families coming down. Um uh, Christmas Eve, as Potts said today, Christmas Eve is even more of a thing in Argentina than it is here, you know, it's a it's a very big family day. Um and I, I think that in itself is a disgrace. Who the fuck wants football Christmas Eve? Now I know there are people out there who go. Well, I do. I have football on Christmas Day. People who day don't as
0: well. go. People who don't go to the matches and watch it on TV.
3: Yeah, but I, I, I think for the match going fan, I think even to a degree for the for the for the the TV watching fan, it's a fucking you know we have people coming in and out of our house all day Christmas Eve. Uh, well, my missus is doing Delia Smith sausage rolls, and we're having a glass of sherry, and it's a generally sociable day. Now, I know everybody does that, and I know uh, that other people have different things, and I find it. Frank, I'm not even religious. I'm I'm a fucking atheist. But Christmas is a side a time set aside. Um, You know, if there was a, 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 a any other religious equivalent, I guess would they really think about making sure it was played on over that time? I don't think they would. So i think there's a big problem there with the whole family thing with what people are doing but as a lefty it's also scandalous that they're going to ask people on minimum wage to expect to turn up and steward the game to ask coppers to change their 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 shift rotors and duties around when they might have had the day booked off and now they've been told by their you know dcis or whatever that they can't because they've got to go down there and and, and police the game the bar staff um, uh, everybody within the ground, the ground staff and everything like that. Then you've got the people, I'm assuming Wolves is the same, pretty much the same as Chelsea. They'll have people who have little side industries running off, stall owners, et cetera, outside the ground selling stuff, all of whom are now thinking, shit, I've got, some of them might even have to go to the council and say, well, I haven't got a licence to put my stall up on Christmas Eve. Can I have one? Yeah, that's another £100. I don't know, but all I'm saying is, it's a massive inconvenience except for the fucking television companies. It absolutely, absolutely is a, a, it, it's wrong on every single level. Now, I've been quite vocal in the fact that I've said if you are in a position where you've got nothing better to do, and you still want to go to the game, and you want to prioritise a game of football over your family, and you're now sitting there with your wife and your grandkids and your kids saying, um, sorry everybody, Christmas Eve's will be a bit, because I'm going to go to football. That's your choice. I think it's a wrong choice, but it's your choice. Okay? And anybody, any fan who goes to the match could turn around and say, fuck you, we're not going, it's a big boycott, whatever. They could do that. But for the people who work there, that's not as easy because their jobs could be under threat. All sorts of things could be going on in the background, which will impact their ability to work or whatever. So it's a it's a hugely, hugely, hugely bad idea. And the FA and the premiership and the television companies ought to hang their fucking heads in shame. And that's why Mark Meehan goes and talks about it and not me, because I'd have been thrown out of the room by
2: now. <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I think the thing to remember, I'm not backing the the uh sky or the the premier league is that as as a market i don't think we're as important uh as other markets are to where they sell the telly where well, they sell the tellies and their their view on this is product entirely it's how can we make this more attractive mm. so we can bring more money in and they've just thought oh i know what we'll do there's a there's a dearth of football over that period let's let's have a game on the friday um uh, is it the Friday? What day is the, Is it? The 23rd? Is it the Saturday? It's the 24th. It's the Sunday. Yeah, let's have a game. Let's have the game then. And uh, that's right, 24th. Um, let's have the game then uh, because um, uh, we'll get people around the other side of the world interested in it. And that is unfortunately where um, the, the huge markets are and will um, result in the amount of money being paid to the clubs will just go up and up even for next year. So in a sense... Um you know it's he who pays the piper isn't it they've 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 got to do it, and they will always be t- looking at marketing rather than um the custom in the in the uh in the country um and yet of course it is absolutely ridiculous for every reason that we've put forward, and yet you see the way their mindset is over oh this.
0: totally JK. you you absolutely nailed it totally, and this is the problem because i mean I think you are right. You know, and and it, it, I, I, I don't know what the facts are or the stats, I must admit, but I would imagine that the TV and the broadcast revenue from around the world uh, is far more consequential for most football clubs than the revenue they earn on a match day. Um, yeah. So, you know, you could say, I'm afraid, match-going supporters, you are just not important. Gone are the days when we paid the players' wages. That's a long, long gone mm-hmm. thing. But I I think the problem, this is why I'm so pissed off with it, this is a massive case of the tail wagging the fucking dog.
3: Absolutely. You
0: know, if you played football in an empty stadium and just televised it around the world, it would be a pile of shit. We know this. It was. We, we know exactly. We had that during COVID. It was yeah. rubbish. So the match-going supporters may not have the monetary value that we used to have. But as I said, even Scudamore admitted this several years ago when he said we make the product what it is because the atmosphere inside English grounds is better than anywhere else in the world. It's all part of the passion and the excitement and the noise and the rest of it. So we are we do have value, but you know, if if the football is not about 22 players kicking a leather ball around inside a stadium that's full of 40, 50, 60,000 people, what the fuck is the point of it? It's not just for the fucking TV. I,
2: th- I think the other, th- I think that they won't have a boycott because too many people in Wolverhampton will just, you know, it's a, it's an hour and a half. It's two hours for them. I think that the major problem is, is we Chelsea fans who, uh, uh there are only two trains and we'll have either to drive up. Uh, and I know it is a, it is a specific problem for everybody because it's, because it's Christmas Eve, but, you can imagine people thinking well i'll go and watch them it's just two hours out of the day you know because that's their local team i think for us though um uh it's going to be very interesting to see whether people just don't appear um because they will have bought their ticket they'll have been down for a ticket already won't they most people yeah the away I, think, game.
3: I think we 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 know that uh the wolves home crowd might not be quite as cosmopolitan as ours and have people flying in from dublin but they'll have their fair share of people who travel down
0: how do you know that
3: yeah but uh, you know no that's not i'm not trying to patronize them i'm trying to say that probably that's yeah that's probably factual okay we know um but you know they will have people who have booked who've done the same thing have booked for the original game who may have been flying back home on christmas eve yeah to be with their family etc um so there's the impact there Uh, the other thing i don't like about it is it sets for me
2: it's, you know, a is, yeah. it,
3: it, it's, it's setting a very dangerous president. Where do they stop next? Christmas Eve evening, yeah. Well, some bright spark at Sky sit there one day and go, "Do you know what? Wouldn't it be fucking brilliant if after the Queen uh, the King's speech, there was a game of football on, and all the family could sit around and watch and go to." Yeah, I'm, I'm, you, you, people might think I'm not being serious. But I'm being absolutely serious. What period of time is not sacrosanct to these puckers? Yeah. Boxing Day is a traditional day. It's a bank holiday for all. Christmas Eve isn't a bank holiday. Yeah. So for me, it's contemptuous. It's utterly contemptuous. And, you know, I think I, I bet internally both teams, like you said, they've got to be careful what they're saying. But I bet internally both teams are furious, both clubs. About well, I, this. I,
0: I wonder, because as has been pointed out by a lot of people on Mixler, this is a very American thing to play sport. On a on a on a on a holiday, um, I mean, you know, they play. I know, yeah, I know, but you know, they they play on Christmas Day. They play on Thanksgiving. It's a big thing over there. But what you, what you fail to understand, and I I mean, shoot me down in flames if I am wrong, but it's a very different culture over here, because I think sport in America is is predominantly a TV orient, oriented sport, because of course you don't have. A huge away following i mean i know you do get people going to away football games in the states i know that but you know given how big the country is it's a very different prospect for you so therefore i think but i mean we know that american football and it's modern guys you know the super bowl was created in the 60s it was created as a television event it's very different in the states here football was created as a community event where you went You know, so it's a very different thing. So I think, you know, making making life difficult for match going supporters at the expense of a TV audience is just criminally wrong. Um, And I and I don't doubt for one minute, Tony, that this is the thin end of the wedge. You'll get Christmas Eve games. They'll bring they'll bring back Christmas Day games. They will, because for them, it's all about the fucking TV audience. And I think it's criminal. Um, listen, I just want to wrap this up Um, I love it when we do this and we have no time to talk about anything else I love that, that's proper fucking radio mate, isn't it so my list goes to shit and I love that anyway, um, the Trust as you know, are going to meet or trying to meet with the Premier League uh, and with the Wolves uh, Supporters Trust and the Football Supporters Association, frankly I don't see anything changing, I think these buggers will just stick their feet in and say tough shit, fuck off um, I I I don't doubt for one minute that there'll be a lot. I mean, you. I would I would never force supporters to boycott a match. I think you have to leave it up to the individual, and I just don't think it's fair to make people miss a match just for a cause. But I think I think something needs to be done. I mean, my preference, as I said quite pithily on the show the other week, I, I think we need to make some sort of a protest there. Um, you know, and of course you have to be very careful because. You can't run on the pitch because you'll get arrested. It's hard to take a big banner in because the stewards will stop you. If you throw things on the pitch, you can also be arrested because we live in such a free and democratic country here. But there are all sorts of other ways. See, My, my favourite idea would be for 1,500 Chelsea supporters to do a full moon in, few, in full camera view. I mean, in my preference would be it's the TV companies that need to be kicked in the bollocks here. It so I, I would try and do anything that will ruin their broadcast. That's where I would go with it, but that's me, and I am a bit mad in the head. So, uh, no doubt the supporters' trust will come up with something far more reasonable and legal.
2: I'd like to put um, uh, have uh, four of us go with four separate letters on our chests: T, N, U, C, and um, or no, with an S, it would have to be five, uh, and uh, and then just line up uh, almost in that order if necessary, and uh, get the get the, those at home to assemble them into a well-known phrase or saying um, is a, on a given moment when the ball has just been kicked into the crowd, just, just yeah, lift, yeah. lift our T-shirts up. Yeah. And uh, there we are. There
3: when you say that, I'm minded of that fabulous picture of uh, the comedian Janie Godley um, protesting against Donald Trump, wanting to build a golf course where she's just basically standing there with a sign that says Trump is a
0: yeah. Well, I, I think James Hunt he... on it.
3: And I, I just think, yeah, I mean it's you know, that went around the world accidentally. Um, you know, lots of lots of people published it abroad because they didn't realise what the word was. <laughs> I think English you can, people up the Spanish paper going, bloody hell.
0: <laughs> I think you can guarantee one thing that there will be a lot of uh, uh, profane chanting aimed at Sky Sports direction. Yeah. I mean I, yeah. I I would like I would like it to you know, for example, whenever any of us go on on uh, I mean not that I ever do get asked these days, but I would encourage anybody who gets interviewed or, or phones up any kind of Sky Sports thing, uh, in in the middle of whatever they're asking, you just chip in, why does Sky Sports hate match-going supporters? Mm. You know, yeah. that'll throw the fucking interviewer off. Yeah, yeah. And they'll say, what are you talking about? I say, well, you know, schedule fixture changes, uh, you know, putting matches on Christmas Eve. You don't like yeah. us. Why don't you? Why, don't, why do you hate us? Why do you make yeah. life difficult for us? Just do it randomly. I, I, if yeah. I ever get asked on that media, I'm going to do that. I won't yeah. get asked back, of course, but it would be worth it.
2: Could we just, quick, before Greville comes, fit in a quick um, uh, minute on the presser? Uh, yes. Um, uh, injuries. Um, Broger uh, isn't fit, which is a bit damning, which means um, Jackson's the only striker we're going to have there. Uh, um, and when pressed as to whether or not they were going to buy somebody, Poch said the uh, um, the talent, the talent group, the talent gurus, the stats gurus have are looking at this at the moment. He wouldn't be drawn on it, but clearly they are going to buy someone. It, it became. He's
3: very good at playing the, um, uh, the. He'd be brilliant at a game of poker.
2: Yes, he's good he's at that. He's not
3: like though. other managers. He does not... He, he seems to be very good at not getting tripped up by students. And,
2: and yet, at the same time, he was actually quite... You know, you read between the lines what he was saying is, yes, yeah. they're, they're going to get somebody. Because it makes sense to me if is not, you know, yeah. not going to be around. They, and he, but he was very positive about Unkunku being back much sooner than uh, they yeah. the prophes- prophesied. And he was very enthusiastic about Nkunku, saying how important he was to the club. Um And he also said that James wasn't ready to start, which I actually, um, when James came on, Arsenal scored their goal, you know, and I followed him with my phone because this is what I'm doing at the moment, just looking at the game as well. And he just wandered about when the ball was actually kicked, when when, when he immediately came on, made no effort to get back. And I'm worried about him. I'm very worried about James because I really think I didn't realise to the extent that he hadn't tried when he came on. And I and I'm finding this very peculiar. He looks as if he's walking on eggshells. So he uh, he definitely because Potch was asked, "Would he start?" And he said, "No, he's def he's not. No, he's not ready yet. He, definitely not ready. There's That's something not. going on mentally. I'm afraid with James, which is such a shame because he's such. But a You wonderful.
3: weren't the only one to pick up on that, J.K. We all we're, we were sat in the uh, Matthew Harding upper. All said similar. In my little group where I sit, we're all sitting again. The summit not
2: Not right there,
3: yeah. Yeah,
2: he really made made, no. I couldn't believe it. I've never seen him do this before, and I've seen him be tentative. But he made when he came on as a sub, he didn't even bother to run into the penalty area. He just he just nanced about for about you know, you thought, Excuse me, what is this? Yeah, but what else, sir? Um, to to answer the question about the the, he he talked about the penalty, he said there are three people who could take it, potch. Um He said Palmer's the man who did it, but I'm quite willing for the players to discuss it amongst themselves and work it out themselves. So
0: there's said. there's no designated penalty taker. No, there isn't. There isn't. So but we we were wrong, and so was Philip from last night. Yes, there isn't. Yeah. He said it's
2: but it's because he'd scored one. He, 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 said he wanted to take it, and he said he likes that. He likes the passion of somebody wanting to take it. He said. So, uh, you know, he's quite happy them to have a scrap if necessary, okay, I think.
0: Well, you know, I'm all for a scrap. Right, very, very quickly, um, don't forget, of course, you can uh, get a copy of CFC UK, the latest edition tomorrow. Uh, mine uh, is is an e- a eulogy to Ed and Hazard, uh, but there are many better articles than mine, I can assure you. If you can't get it in person, do not worry. You can actually subscribe for an entire season. Uh, by emailing fanzine at net, uh, and the cost of doing that will be 20 quid for the oh. UK 45 quid for Europe 60 quid for the rest of the world and if you want a, a digital copy instead so if you want a, copy PDF, a PDF copy emailed to you that will cost you 6 quid for a year or a pound each and you can pay via PayPal and talking of Spending your hard-earned shekels, you would do well to become a member of the Chelsea Supporters Trust at this time. Uh, the one organisation who will do its best to stick up for you lot, and actually all of you lot, whether you're somebody from abroad who can't ever get to Stamford Bridge or somebody who tries to go every week and goes away and has to put up with Sky being wankers, Trust dot com. Go and go and join up to Fiverr, and the other. Oh, by the way, uh, it's uh, <clears throat> if you are a member, then you should have received an email. Which enables you to vote on the motions that were agreed at the AGM a few weeks back, uh, which which basically forms the mandate for the trust going forward over the next year. And of course, there are elections for the next board. So uh, 13 people have uh, been not, you know have have, uh, have are standing for election. Um, we uh, have a board of nine people, so it's a contested election. The reason I'm telling you this is because I, my email, uh, my, my email from the trust went to my spam and that meant if i hadn't noticed that then i wouldn't have been able to vote so if you want to vote in the elections and i really hope you do and for the and for the motions uh, from the agm just if you haven't received the email if you can't find it check your spam it might be in there i think you have until uh sunday the 29th in order to vote so don't don't uh, don't muck around get on it now and finally if you want to join uh, or if you want to own a piece of chelsea Or if you want to try and make sure that you have a say in what happens next in the redevelopment, then you need to belong or buy a share, a Chelsea pitch owner's share. OK, so right, 110 quid for that, an electronic share up to about a couple of hundred uh, for a framed and signed one by a player. But it's really important because there is an element of uncertainty going around with what might happen to Stamford Bridge. Uh, and uh, where it might go and what will happen with the redevelopment. And the CPO has a massive say in that and actually has some power and clout over the club. So it's very important that you have a share so you get your say. Enough already. Time for a break. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18+, plus. serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Chidge. JK. In all the years you've been following Chelsea, you hardly ever miss a match, home or away. But how would you feel if you couldn't be there and it's not on TV? Oh, Chich, I'd be bereft. Inconsolable. The thought of missing my beloved blue boy's life. <laughs> fans real
2: opinions i'm jason cundy and you're listening to chidge and the boys on the chelsea football fancast total nutters and proper chels football F- fancast.com
0: Right, you lovely people, welcome back to the Chelsea Fancast Friday Night Preview Show with me, Stamford Chidge, him over there, Mr. Jonathan Kidd, how the devil are you?
2: Oh, I'm, I'm better ever since we've uh, we've been doing the first half of the uh,
0: of the Fancast. And
2: so, uh, yes, indeed, now. it's a uh, delight, delight to have this, uh, this Brentford guest on.
0: Boy, I, whoa, 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 last night you told me you were doing something on Donald Sindon, and you were very Donald sindon like then when I introduced you.
2: Deliberately, because I am yeah. indeed. I'm interviewing Donald. Sinden. People don't know who Donald Sinden is. He was a a very well-known. You have English. to
0: do this in the style of Donald Sinden. Oh, he was very like that. Donald Sinden was very like that all the time.
2: That's the way that he spoke, and really became a bit of a caricature, caricature after a bit. But anyway, he was in lots of films. He was in the Cruel cool Sea. He was in lots of stuff with uh, um, uh, the Days of Days of um, uh, the one about the Titanic, the original one. But enough of that. But he. Um, uh, I'm doing an interview with his son, Mark, uh, about his father in Windsor on the day after the Newcastle game. So um, I may go to the Newcastle game as a consequence. I thought I was on the same day. But, um, but yeah, I'm doing that. So I'm reading... Uh, I thought I'd better be up on it. I'm reading one of his uh, his autobiographies, which is very good fun. Very good fun. Okay.
0: Right. we have. Uh, he's returned from uh, his uh, location change. We also have the marvellous Tony Glover on the show. You all right, Tone? I'm very
3: well, and um, I'm now... Uh, firmly out of the doghouse. Good. She did uh, not look happy. She's mate. now to, She can now sit down and watch the telly she wants to yeah. watch, and and I'm 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 uh, ejected to the um, the departure lounge or the study. She there.
0: did not look happy. I was I was frightened sitting here, mate. <laughs> she, I'll tell you. She came in and she looked at me with one of them, know. you know,
3: uh, in a way that only wives can look. I know. It sitting. was it was frightening. On I... earth are you sitting there for doing yeah.
0: that? I love Helen, but she does scare me. Yes. Yeah. And then- yeah. now it's time for this. The opposition view. Yes, it's the opposition view. And we do have a rather wonderful guest tonight, courtesy of a long standing relationship with JK. Um, he's written two books on Brentford, covering their first two momentous championship 14, 15, 15, 16 seasons in detail, both on and off the pitch, taking into context his over 50 years of support for the club. Uh, he then published, I like this, this is a great title, he then published "Ooh Are oh, the Bob Booker Story? A well-received and sympathetic biography of former Brentford Sheffield United and Brighton legend Bob Booker. And this is my favourite title of all. I, I, now I know this, I will be chanting this tomorrow. But he's recently published You're Just a Bus Stop in Hounslow. A detailed and analytical insider's account of Brentford's first historic season in the Premier League, placing the club in its historical context and explaining its recent dramatic and meteoric rise from the bottom to the top of the football pyramid. He is the absolutely wonderful Greville Waterman. Greville, it's really lovely to have you back on the Chelsea Fancast.
1: Thank you for having me. I'm not sure if I can live up to that build-up. I think you were reading that. I don't think that came straight from your head, did it?
0: No, it was all coming straight. I made it all up. It's not None of it's true. Surely,
1: and just to say, it's "Ooh Ah" the Bob Bukar story.
0: Oh, ooh, "Ooh Ah" the Bob Bukar story. Okay, that's work. It makes it better. Chanting "Ooh you know. Ah" Bob Bukar. "Ooh Ah," yeah. Uh, yeah that
2: like what it. is that? What was chanted on the terraces
1: then? Absolutely. "Ooh Ah" Bob oh, Bukar. There are a few other things chanted about him because he was marmite.
2: Remember, but, I met him. I'm, I met him. You remember when I came to?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. lovely man. He's a Peter, Peter, he's now a driving instructor down near Brighton, but one of the nicest people. When I went to uh, write his, his biography, he said, Why? Who wants to read about me?
0: <laughs> Lovely.
1: No, about 3,000 people did, so it's not too bad. Not
0: so, too bad. I mean, y- you, are you kind of the, the preeminent Brentford author?
1: Well, I don't think there's too much competition. Um, <laughs> uh, there are a few, there are a few. Um, and obviously, as we progress, there'll be more. And what I try to do is put them into their historical context. Because, yeah, I've been seeing you a long time. Just to say, and this is an exclusive, not that anyone gives a monkey's, my very first game of football was Chelsea against Birmingham in about March or early 1965. I've got the programme because my dad took me to Chelsea, Fulham, Brentford and QPR and more on that I was, I chose Brentford. And that was at a time when you were good.
0: Yeah, but wh- could- why, why did you cho- choose Brentford then?
1: I'll tell you why, because the first time I saw them, they played QPR and won 5 2 and then the first game of the following season was the second time I saw them, and it was Brentford 6, QPR 1, and I, th- I was jumping on the Brentford bandwagon. Yeah. But we got relegated that year, and QPR finished third.
2: Didn't you like the, the red and white stripes, though, as well?
1: Oh, absolutely, absolutely. It's yes. my, my colours. And my colors. didn't
2: you like that some people came along with, with, with papier-mâché bees on the end of sticks?
1: That's in your dreams.
0: No, that's never, <laughs> never. Well, there then- was there was a time there was a time gravel that J.K. might remember. Although I don't think he was a bit of a, a tearaway shed boy even in those days. But there was a time when lots of Chelsea supporters would co- come in with walking sticks, painted in Chelsea colours, like you know blue and white hoops.
1: Well, like the pensioners.
0: Well, I don't know. I think they were mainly used as weapons. I'm
1: About to say to thwack people over the head more. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Apparently, I, it's, I, you know, it was before my time, I haste to add. Now, listen. It wasn't
2: to the cry of, walking
0: steel? Well, well, I think Marco made that up. And actually, thank Did you for go. reminding me, JK, because we have a we have a regular on the show who's sadly not on tonight, actually. It would have been really good to have him on tonight as you're on. But he is like the recognised main man when it comes to authoring Chelsea books. And he's now got his own publishing company, which, which you know, if you want to write a Chelsea book, you go to Marco and he publishes it for you. So, I wondered if uh, we got, got the Brentford equivalent of uh, Marco Worrell here. But there you go. Now, question time. Um, here we go. Are Brentford now an established Premier League club, do you think?
1: Oh, God. Is anyone outside the top eight? You know, who would have argued early last season that Leicester and Southampton weren't established Premier League teams? Of course we aren't. Um, but let's face it. You know, last season we finished ninth. Showed how brilliant we could be. And since promotion, we've beaten Man City twice, did the double over them last season, Arsenal, Liverpool, Man U, Spurs, West Ham four times running, Aston Villa, Brighton, Fulham twice. Oh, yeah. I almost, almost forgot. Chelsea twice as well. <laughs> away, away as well. We're not, we're not about this.
0: Yeah, I mean, thank you for reminding me, Gravel. Not that I needed it. I mean, you know, what's? Cha- I mean, because look, I, I, I have to, I, I need to kind of like come out of the closet a bit here because I've got quite a soft spot for Brentford. Uh, And there's a reason for that. And uh, if you forgive me, I'll indulge myself with a rather long story. But I have a great friend in Los Angeles called Michael Roban who has kind of been involved on and off with this show since we started it. And he comes over occasionally and he he demands a weekend. This is when I was living in London anyway. He demands a weekend of of live sport, gambling and uh, and a lot of alcohol, funnily enough. And he decided to pick a weekend where, where I think Chelsea were playing in Middlesbrough. And he didn't fancy that. And there were two games going on in London that weekend. One was Millwall and one was Brentford. And funnily enough, he said, can we go to Brentford? And I said, yeah, mate, let's go to Brentford. And we rocked up. I can't even remember who you were playing now, but you were probably in, in old money division three.
1: Yeah.
0: And Carl Court was playing for you. That will date it. Yeah, yeah? 2011, something yeah, like Yeah, it's got to be about then. So yeah. anyway, we rocked up and we stood in the in the in the home at the home end. Sp- right. this, I have to say, I have to say, Greville, the sparsely populated home end. And uh, and Michael and I, w- we'd had a few beers because I said, "Oh, the great thing about Brentford, Michael, that you didn't know, was that there are as a pub on every corner of the ground, and it's tradition that you have to go in each one and have a pint." And uh, before we'd done all of that, he he was a bit hungry, so I took him for. a He said, "Can I have a, a, an English breakfast, please?" And I said, yes. And I found the greasiest of greasy spoon re- restaurants in in Brentford. And, and it, I, he, he looked at it. He looked at the sausage as if it had come out from Mars or something. And he couldn't quite believe what he was eating, swimming in grease. Then we had four pints. Then we went and stood in the home end. And we'd, we, we were a bit jolly by then. So we thought, you know, there's not much singing going on. So we started the chanting in the Brentford end. And I think they won something like 3-1. Half time, he says, God, I'm hungry again. All that beer, you know. I said, oh, there'll be somewhere to get a pie or something at the back. And he got he got this kind of ropey old microwaved pie out of a plastic thing, gobbled it down. <clears throat> End of the game. We were supposed to be herring off to uh, the stoop to go and see Harlequins play bath. See, I told you, he likes to watch a lot of live sport. And uh, we're waiting at the Brentford station and Michael says, "I need I need to go to the loo. I said, "Oh, no worries, mate. There's a there'll be a you know gents just down at the end of the platform," and he said, uh, "He came back. He said, oh, it's locked.'" I said, "Oh, don't, don't worry, Michael. Um, there'll be there'll be a loo on the train. Uh, there wasn't a loo on the train." I said, "You know, mate. You know, when we get off, just 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 go and have a piss in the." Bush. He said, "I don't need a piss, mate." So. That- <laughs> so then we then we had to get to 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 the stoop and uh you know we found our way down there i think we ended up getting a cab because i couldn't i couldn't figure out where it was from witten station but uh we got there and i've never seen somebody run so fast to a bog in my life So the Brentford meat pie nearly did for my friend from LA. But that said, I have a soft spot for Brentford. I really, really do. And I I think it's great that they're here. But what's changed for you? Because, I mean, I loved Griffin Park too, by the way. But what's changed for you since you've been in the Premier League? let
1: me start off by saying, I don't want all these fans to like us. I want us to be hated. (laughs) I want us to be feared. But probably not in our lifetime. Um, So... What's happened? What's changed? Well, some sort of fairly obvious thing, you know, sodding around with Sky over kickoff times. We're not used to that, and obviously you've got the Christmas Eve fiasco, uh, just shows the utter contempt in which they hold supporters. And um, we get the residue of that because we've lost our Boxing Day game because we were playing Wolves, and that's sodding my, you know, my whole schedule around for Christmas. Are and you know.
2: now on the twenty seventh? Is that now the twenty seventh? Twenty seventh. Yeah. And we've got. Right. Right. The Palace game on the twenty seventh. So they have got two London games happening on the yeah. same night.
1: Yeah, probably. Yeah. Um, I I just think there's the heightened media attention we get. We're not used to that, and that ranges from ignorant twats like Mika Richards describing us as bang average and the most overrated team of the league in the league. Lots of patronising comments, a few flattering, but mostly ignorant. People don't really get what we do and how we do it. And frankly, how incredible it is that we're here, given how small we are and how poor we are. Um, I think what worries me, there's the beginning of a sense of entitlement from some of our fans like that. Um, But really, it's the trying to come to terms that we can now field a team of full internationals and not just from Sierra Leone and Malta. Uh, which is just ridiculous, given some of the donkeys we've had playing for us, probably about the time that you last came to Griffin Park. So, yeah, that, that, those are the sort of things.
0: You know what? It wasn't the last time I went to Griffin Park, though, because I, I was there for the infamous FA Cup replay yeah. where we... we. I, I'm going to choose my words carefully, Greville. I don't know how well good your hearing was on that day. The game where we coated off... Uh, Rafa Benitez, although you could use another word, which would have been perhaps more apposite. Um, And I have to say, it it was one of the most eagerly anticipated and sought after tickets that season because all of us wanted to go to a proper match and stand in a terrace. And I, I, I don't think I've had that much fun at a football match in years. It was just joyous being there. And then obviously we had a lot of fun in the pubs afterwards. But do you do you miss Griffin Park? I, I loved that ground. It was a great little ground. Do you miss it at all with the new stadium you've got or is the new stadium infinitely the new better? Stadium,
1: I mean the new stadium's great, I have to say. Um please God it's gonna to be too small for us in the, in time. But to us now it's just the right size. It's very loud, the acoustics are great, sight lines are fantastic. You know, I love it, Revel.
2: I love it. I love the fact that it's just there in, like, yeah. bridge. You just go and see bits of it, and you just think, "What a fantastic, what a fantastic architectural conceit but to get it to get it in there!" Fantastic. I have Thanks. to say, I love Brentford being in the division right. just because because I love London clubs being in the Premier League because it means you don't have to go very far to watch. <laughs>
0: lazy <laughs> but, bastard
2: lazy bastard that I am <laughs> but also I I yeah, I agree completely I think I think that he's mad to say that you've got some you know Mbembo is a is is a fantastic player I love it you got some great players there you know and he just think I appreciate what they're up to and I appreciate him as a manager and I appreciate what they do Tactically, uh, you know, he plays in two separate ways, doesn't he? Occasionally, he got five across the midfield. He shifts it. He's playing. He's playing with with with. Um, he's got. Was it, he's got five and the two up, and he plays with one up. He shifts it about all the time. He's a very very competent manager.
1: You Sorry, interruption. You, know, you don't need me anymore. Just let him get on with it. Um, I'll come back. <laughs> Let's go on to Griffin Park. I mean, it seared into my soul. I was brought up going to Griffin Park. I mean, it was rickety. It was falling apart. But it had passion, it had soul, it had atmosphere. Real old-fashioned stadium, you know, and terraced houses, every cliché. And it had you... Brentford
0: nylons on the roof.
1: Well, not quite, but never mind. It had did, me, you I did It had, had Ericsson on there, which I did that deal. Anyway, <laughs> no going, back that game, going back to that game in 2013, I remember how appalled the Chelsea team were when they arrived there for that FA Cup tie. And they found a cramped dressing room where they had to get changed in small groups. They couldn't all fit in at one time. And there was only one toilet cubicle, <laughs> didn't have a door, cold water in the showers, no electric, no electric point. Every game we could play. We talk about John Beck. You know, we we did everything at Griffin Park. It
2: was because done I, deliberately, was it? Because it was, they, there were other changing rooms that worked. They were just put in the non-changing rooms.
1: Yeah, No, 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 no. We, just, we couldn't afford probably the, the, the new electric socket. Oh, yeah, we were absolutely. You know, without the fans, this club would have gone bust. Without Matthew Benham, and we have to mention Matthew Benham, who's an incredible man, our local derby would be against Hampton and Richmond. Believe me, that's where we were going uh, 10 years ago. I mean, it's just how we've got there is just incredible. So Griffin Park was wonderful, but we outgrew it. And, you know, that's where we are now.
0: It is a, it's a remarkable story, it really is. I mean, how important has, has Thomas Frank been to, in, in all of this? I mean, you mentioned Matthew Benham, but I think Frank's highly regarded as a manager. Do you worry you might get poached? Well, it's inevitable.
1: And when it happens, it happens. You know what? The system is bigger and better than any one individual. Of course he's important, he's crucial. Players love him, they respect him. You know, he's he's got passion, he's totally measured, he's intelligent, he's the real deal. Uh, tactically, he's very astute. Mm. He's totally honest, he's empowering. I've met him quite a few times. And when you sit down with him, you, he makes you feel like you are the only person in the room. You know what most people are like—they're looking over and around you, someone more important. He's an incredibly good man, um, and yeah, he will go. But you know what? We'll just carry on because that's what the club's all about.
0: No, that's marvellous, and I mean, you—you you have proven. I mean, the one thing that fascinated me about Brentford, actually, I think there is a similarity with Brighton here—that yes. they would—they—they would get—they they would, get, would get, you know, really good players. Yeah. I mean, I can't remember his name now. Um, the French guy that went to... Is it Everton now?
1: He's with Brentford now. He'll be on the bench
0: tomorrow. Neil Mopé. Thank you. Mopé. Well, he did... Br- thank you. He did brilliantly for you. And then he, then he went off to Brighton or whoever. And, and you just carried on like it didn't matter. Mm. And he's been the same with managers as well. And I, uh, that, that, to me, is a hallmark of a really well-run club.
1: Yeah. Well, we did it, you see, because when Mopé went, we tried to bring in a couple of centre-forwards and failed. I always remember there was a guy called Lyle Taylor, who's probably well beyond below what people you you know about.
0: I know of Lyle Taylor.
1: And he was lurking around the changing the uh, training ground, trying to sign for us, but his club, was a was and wouldn't let him go. So we couldn't get anyone. So what did he do? He moved Ollie Watkins from the left wing, where he'd been pretty good. He played centre forward a couple of times when Mopay was out, and he got twenty five goals. Um, they're very very astute. They're very well coached they sign really good young men i mean that's one of the reasons we have lots of scandinavian players is a they're a bit cheaper b they are they speak better english than you and i do they generally are very disciplined they play for the team and not for themselves which means sometimes they lack a little bit of flair but they're good they're reliable and they're good men so that that's what we try and do and try and develop talent
0: yeah I mean, you're in 14th place at the moment. I mean, I know it's relatively early days, but ha- how happy are you with the season thus far?
1: Well, I think given our injury crisis, which continues, I'm pretty ecstatic. Uh, it should be better given some of the leads that we've thrown away and some of the daft goals we've conceded. Oh, God, some of the goals are just a joke. But we've had up to, you know, we have a small squad. We have the smallest and the cheapest squad in the in the league. Um, much smaller and <laughs> cheaper. Bournemouth, so I can tell you that, who've who spent an awful lot of money. Um, and we've had up to 11 players out. And when you've got a first team squad, really, of about 23 plus kids, it hurts. So, you know, Rico Henry is the most important player in the team. How he doesn't play for England, God only knows. He really is an incredible centre. Yeah,
2: early. he's a fantastic
1: player, Green. He's out yeah. for a year. Um, Ivan Tony, who's frankly a fuckwit. But a very, <laughs> <laughs> um, and you know so obviously we're feeling the 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 the, the, uh, the aftershock of that we are the innocent victims of of his poor behavior ben Mees has been out he might be back tomorrow we've lost three attacking midfielders we've lost two wingers in keen lewis potter kevin shard is our record signing a really good german international he's like ollie watkins he's a young ollie watkins He's out for probably six, nine months. So we've lost all our pace. We're betting in a new goalkeeper who, believe me, is no David Rea. Uh, I know you might have a few thoughts about David Raya, but David Raya for us was just impeccable. Um, we miss his calmness, his
0: anticipation,
1: because David Raya was the best passer of the ball in the team. Um, really was. Had the most vision of anyone. He, of
0: he was ball. one of our best passers last week.
1: Yeah, well, we heard about that, yeah. He's a really, really—I mean, there's such an agenda about him at the moment against him, uh, because everyone wants him to wants him to fail, and I'm sure he will get to him. But he is a bloody good goalkeeper, and I tell you what—I'm sure he'll be brilliant tomorrow. But how, why you didn't sign him uh, instead of the one you got? I've no idea. He's far better than Sanchez. He really is.
0: We're we're on a mission to make Brighton the richest club in the Premier League. You see, Greville. <laughs> thats that's why. Apparently, well, it's the law. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know... When we
3: retire, change down there. Yeah.
1: yeah, we are we are basically three years behind Brighton, three or four years behind mm-hmm. Brighton. We run in similar ways. We're run by similar types of individuals, although they don't speak to each other. Uh, Tony Bloom and Matthew Benham, they used to work together and fell out big time. Um, but that's the way we, we do it. And as, as long as... Frankly, if you offered me... This season was all about trying to develop beyond ninth place... Uh, try and even go towards Europe, try and do well in the Cups. Our season has been decimated by injuries. Even now, we've got probably eight players out. Uh, we've lost all our pace. <laughs> so we can't do what we want to do. Frankly, if you offered me 16th place now, I would take it, maybe even 17th. Uh, and then we can regroup and go again next season. It's a, I have to say, it's a very good season to be poor, given some of the shite got in this league, and we had Burnley, you had Burnley two weeks ago, we had Burnley last week, and Burnley are an object lesson for how not to play in the Premier League when you've just been promoted for the champion.
0: Yeah, I think that's very, very true.
1: They've weakened their team, they've lost a couple of very good players.
2: Including Matson, of course.
1: They're trying to play like Real Madrid. So basically, they're going to end up like Norwich, with making lots of friends, scoring quite a few goals, and conceding 90. You know, uh we... We could have had eight. Yeah, I mean
0: that—that's uh, a shame because again, I, I, I yeah. you know, Burnley. I, I like seeing them in the Premier League. It's a good trip up there. Mm. Um, so uh, you know, who's impressed you most this season for Brentford? Then it's been tricky. I didn't re- to be honest, Trevor. I didn't realize it was that tricky with the injuries. I had no I'd idea. It's
1: genuinely worse. It really is mm. bad um, because we play. Generally three, five, two will come on to that, but we hit teams on the break in transition, which is what we did for our second goal, your place last year. Um, but we can't do that now because we've lost our pace. Um, but the best players now are Ethan Pinnock, who's missed. Consistency. He's just a good center half. he just probably score an own goal tomorrow and be sent off. <laughs> he, he barely get, he, I think he was booked twice all last season. He just doesn't make mistakes very often. He's really I good. Inter-
2: interrupt me just for a second, Gravel. You you did, in fact, say this all last year to yeah.
1: me before yeah. the game,
2: and you still beat us.
1: It's the same notes. I've got the same notes. <laughs> <laughs> so have we, Gravel. <laughs> no, you know, you've got Pinnock. You've got Aaron Hickey, who might – he's also out, but he might be back tomorrow. He's a decent international fullback.
2: He's a Um, youth, isn't he, Hickey? He's 21. He's
1: 20. 20. He he, he will play for the man-cities of this world in a couple of years. We've got Matthias Jensen in midfield, who is just a good, creative player. And Mbumo, frankly, is more important to us than Tony. Mbumo, when he wants to, he's had a few bad games, but he was really on it last week. He is just so quick and so clever um
2: and he always was him and henry were both when when i remember you you took me a couple of years ago and they were both standout players
1: yeah they're good players
2: fabulous fabulous players
1: you know how long they stay with us well henry you know he's on in crutches at the moment he's not going anywhere so those are those are our best players but the trouble we've, we've got a new keeper he's dutch international uh but he just hasn't trained on yet to the premier league flaps everything um, we're not very happy with him yet, but he he'll be okay, I hope, because we probably scouted him a hundred times when we signed Christopher Ayer, who's also a very decent centre half, very quick. Apparently, we watched him 125 times. You know, that's the level of detail we go into. So, eh, we'll see. I have a question. If it's yeah, yeah, I mean,
3: have you resigned yourself to? Uh, to potentially losing Ivan Tony in the in the in the coming transfer window, knowing, for example, that uh, you know there's a West London club that's not massively too far away from you that are desperately trying to find their uh, or another iconic, Drogba-like striker who's you know puts fear into the heart of defenders and isn't scared of a bit of rough and tumble.
1: Well. I think it's fair to say that Ivan Tony is a fantastic player. Absolutely fantastic player. And he does as much defensive work for us as he does attack. Mm. You know, he holds the ball up, he brings others into play, he's got vision. He will he tries to score from 60 yards about four times a season. He hasn't quite done it yet, but he's near. Really? Exactly. He's just a class player and he gives everything on the pitch. Now, it's obvious he's going. He's got one more year on his contract after mm-hmm. this. He's got new agents who are already making all sorts of noises. He hasn't got an iota of class, in my view. He's not apologised for what he's done. Of course, he was. He had a gambling addiction. Um, but, you know, we've carried him. He's cost us big time. Has there been a word of apology to the supporters? No. Has he said, I can't wait to be back on the pitch with the lads in January? No. no. So, so, from our perspective, it's a very difficult scenario because if we sell him, how do we replace him? No idea. We've done well with Visser, who's good, Is also good, and Mbumo. Neil Mopé actually looked very good on. We played four three three last week, and they they together looked very good. But there again, I'd have looked good against Burnley <laughs> And John, I, Jonathan Kidd, I remember you playing, you know, back at Collet Court in, against Collet Court back in about nineteen sixty. No, don't tell him. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, and the, I think you'd have you'd have done all right. Um, Thank so, you very much. Thank you. In my of... in
2: my in my my generalissimo midfield role, yes,
1: you were you were the number ten, weren't you? I was. I was. <laughs> <laughs> so Tony's going to go. It's just a question of when and how we replace him and whether we get offered 70 80 million for him yeah now, you know someone's going to take the piss spurs will offer you know threaten me hate threaten for him um, and he'll put pressure on us to go but part of me says keep him to the end of the season because we we're not going to be in a great position in january we might be 17th 18th who knows we might we might have got up to mid table we get players back because whoever he plays for Tony is going to be brilliant between January and May because he wants to get to the Euros. Yeah. And he's already played a couple of behind closed doors games and he just looks like Ivan Tony scored a goal already, you know? Um, So part of me says, keep him for another six months and get, you'll get 10 goals. He'll get us where we want to be. Part of me says, get shot of the bastard. But if we do that, how do we replace him when We've cool. got too, we got too ambitious in the, gen, in the August transfer window and tried to sign all sorts of players, really good players, you know, mudraki-type players who are, sort of won't sign for us. And that might happen again in January. But so, if you, if
2: you sell Tony to Chelsea for £120 million, but like Brighton did, you'll then, you'll then be able to buy uh, um, no, several, several top-class players and offer them huge amounts of money.
1: It's not as off, it's not as, it's a, yeah. You, you, the point is, we are good payers, but we are the lowest payers in this league by an awful long way, right? Yeah, I, I do know a few things,
0: yeah. yeah, which is, is, is can be a bit of a problem. Although, we're, we're beginning to get our wage bill down, Greville, so it's yeah, going to be interesting yeah. how that's going to pan out.
3: But the, the, my point about it was, you know, we've been on the fan cast here talking about Ivan Tony prospectively for a Two years since yeah. since he start, first started banging goals in. And, you know, we have this huge desire for... We've never really ever replaced Didier Drogba.
0: No, Costa.
3: Well, no, but Costa didn't really defend like Drogba did. No. Yeah. Um, he he
0: did kick players, to be fair.
3: He did kick players, but he didn't have... Drogba's knack of being never able to got, run You know, he the never corner. got sent... I think he, got, he man, off. maybe only got sent off once, yeah. didn't he? But Drogba had that ability to run into the corner with Yeah, he was brilliant. No, he's brilliant. And, brilliant. and just hold five players off of him. And and I see that in Tony. That's, that, and that's where that question came from. I, I don't think it's necessarily us, because I think Arsenal, uh, uh, they're, they're interested as well. And if he wants Champions League football as well, then he, he probably won't be looking at us potentially this season. I don't know. Um, but it was just an interesting question, because, you know, he you know i'm old enough to remember you know i go i've you know I've been sport chelsea since 1970 i remember working at um the old southern electricity board in Windmill lane where my boss was a brentford fan you know he just used to go and he was old school trilby tweed jacket you know waistcoat and he used to go up there every you know to to every game um and, and i i just I, i've got a, a real Kind of warmth towards what I call old school strikers like Ivan Tony. People who know what their job is, know how to score goals. I like the way Ivan Tony takes penalties, it's a bit like Cole Palmer. None of that dressage. I, I've got a thing, Greville, about this dressage thing that footballers do with his little jig and this little shimmy yeah. shuffle rubbish or whatever. And for me, Tony is another one who just runs up, hits the ball so hard that if the keeper does get it, He's likely to end up in the back of the in the back of the net with it. So it was in, it was a, it was a nice answer because I think we've been in a similar position where we've known players are going to go, you know, and what can you do?
0: Well, move on, on. and I think that's yeah. what that's what you we've do, got, isn't it? We have
1: got to replace him. Yeah, it's going to be bloody hard because even if we have all the money in the world, and let's face it, Arsenal still haven't paid us for David Raya. Uh, so we've got that one scenario. So scenarios. I can't see them signing Tony because they, they're, they're they're crying poverty. Um, maybe he'll come to you. I'd love you to come in for him because you'll pay you'll overpay for him. Lovely. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: but we have to replace him first, and I'm not sure if we're able to do so. So well, we'll have
0: to. They're very hard. It's this is the problem that we and many other clubs have is that it's very hard to get what we would all recognise as a number nine. They just don't seem to be. Many around. Listen, um, Grevel. How, how's Thomas Frank going to set up tomorrow, and how do you see it going?
1: Well, it's invariably three-five-two or four-three-three, and generally three-five-two against the better teams. So it will definitely be four-three-three. No, it will be. Th- <laughs> it will be. It's going to be three-five-two. I can almost guarantee that. So Ben Mee will probably come back after a long absence, and Neil Mope will be on the bench. I suspect. So it will be three-five-two, and then. If we're l lo- if i then it might go four three three, but the chances are if we're losing, it will go three four three. It goes three four three if we're losing
0: away from home. Interesting I think so
2: After doing um, long throws. throw I
0: always thought that
2: the two headers then into the into the box was always always a fantastic ploy which you did with. Yeah, you did.
1: It, you know, people put turn their nose up in it, but it works. So we've oh, got everybody
2: should do it. Everybody should do it. Fantastic.
1: Matthias Jensen looks like the before uh, bloke in a Charles Atlas ad, but um, he can throw the ball 50 yards. It's unbelievable because he he's just nothing of him. Um, but obviously he hasn't got Tony there. He generally aims for Ethan Pinnock, who seems to win absolutely everything.
2: It's all in, buttocks, all in the buttocks, Greville. All in the buttocks. <laughs> you
0: know, I remember. I remember when we. I think it might have been a, a, a Caribou Cup draw, yeah. which we just about got away with a one-all the, by the skin of our teeth. And I think I called the show after that. Buzz bombed because yeah. that's what it, it. you know, I think most of our players had to go around with those old ARP white helmets on because it, everything was coming. It was like an air raid for fuck's sake. So you beat us
1: one-nil. I tell you, oh, was at
0: one-nil. We did win it, didn't you we? Beat us yeah, that's one, true. Nil. At
1: Stamford, at at at, at GTEC, or uh, Brentford Community Stadium as it was then, and Chil often said it was like the Alamo or something yeah. like that. And I was talking to Thomas Frank, um, and he said, "Oh, well, the managers are all wonderful. They're all kind, professional, you know, very very polite and appreciative of how Brentford play." With one exception, and you can imagine who the one exception was, Tuchel.
0: Hell yeah. He would have loved the that.
1: Barely said a word to him. He made he basically said didn't accept how lucky Chelsea had been that that, that night. And when we won here four one, he bleated to the press the whole time after the game. How he said Brentford were never in the game apart from the ten minutes in which they scored three.
0: <laughs> well that, he may he may have been right.
3: <laughs> that wasn't the game back in um Second yeah. of April, twenty twenty two, that I sent my daughter to because I was going on a cruise, yeah, yeah. and uh, uh, I didn't want to get COVID. Um, I was going. I said to her, "Take my ticket." I said, "Go and sit with Attilio, who, who, Chij knows who sits next to me." I said, uh, "You'll get a pint at half time and all this." I said, "And the good thing about this game is it's Brentford. We're at home, so this game is eminently winnable."
0: Indeed. Yeah. And how did that famous
3: last words?
0: Right, Brent. Uh, I just I've got to ask you this as well, Grover. It'd be interesting to hear your your spin on this. But do, do, I mean, I, I, I like J.K. It's always been fascinating that you've got Brentford, QPR, Fulham, and Chelsea, um, yeah. and and maybe somewhat arrogantly, you know, we don't we don't consider Brentford, Fulham, or, or QPR as anything like rivals, which is a shame because I think that that you know takes something away from you know what potentially should be really you know nasty needly uh local derbies so we we don't you know arsenal spurs la 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 we i don't feel we have that but but what's that like from the brentford uh perspective do you consider us as rivals is there any needle there well, for you lot
1: not yet i mean our our rivals have traditionally been qpi ever since they tried to kill us in 1967 which i can just about remember and then more recently fulham and i took great delight in winning 3-0 at the Cottage in August, and I was in the Fulham end, so I had to act sad. It was really funny. (laughs) Um, I think I'll be having ideas... Or
0: or, or disinterested Greville, which is (laughs) the normal kind of demeanour of a Fulham fan.
1: Yeah, but the bloody fire drill was right in front of me, you know, as they all came out after 75 minutes. Um, But anyway, I'll be having ideas above my station, I think, if if I suggested we had a rivalry with Chelsea. Perhaps in five years time if we can stay in this sort of unforgiving league well i would just mention that we did finish three positions higher yeah. 15 more points than you last yeah. season so that's actually we shouldn't really we're not really bothering with you
0: oh fighting talk right no. i'm gonna i'm gonna we finish up i'm gonna uh we do a little kind of game really and and you have to promise me that you've not cheated and already researched this um, but there are players obviously who have played for both Brentford and Chelsea and I have a very long list of them and I need you to name as many as you can. But before we do that, yes. stick, a, stick a number on tomorrow for us. Well, how do you think it's going to go? Surely to God you can't get a hat-trick of wins against us at uh, Stamford Bridge.
1: I, I think we've won twice in a row at Stamford Bridge and there hasn't been a home win in the five games we've played against no. each other up match, since we went up. So definitely a home win tomorrow
0: hmm to buck the trend well obviously i'm going to Ooh. agree with you there right now here we go um there have been and boys tony and, and jk you you can play this in part three all right so i'm, I'm not going to tell greville uh well, what's right or up, wrong okay yeah. all right so greville 53 players have played for both chelsea and brentford off you go
1: god no way i'll give you about 10 i will give to give up I mean, you know, we used to pick up your has-beens or brilliant ex-players, you know, Mickey Droy, Ronnie Harris, Chopper Harris. Then we used to pick up your no-hopers, Gary Johnson, Lee Frost, who was probably the worst player we ever signed.
0: <laughs> we did have
1: Pete for a very memorable pre-season before he fucked off and went to Portugal instead. Um, and interestingly enough, Clive Walker was assistant manager for a few months. Um, and I think the then, of course, more recently... We made a massive error because we signed Josh McEacheran from you and he was made of glass. Um, And it just, oh, God, what a waster he was. Um, (laughs) The best ones we've ever had from you were Johnny Brooks, who was way before my time but was just an elegant inside forward played for England, and Keith Jones. Now, who of you, here's my question, who knows Keith Jones' middle name?
0: Ooh, Victor.
1: Anyone else?
2: Um, Gladstone Gladstone. One more Disraelis
1: Hmm
3: Anyone I'm going to go out on a limb here and say Is it something like Pele
1: No (laughs) Aubrey Aubrey. Aubrey. (laughs) Aubrey. (laughs) Aubrey. Keith Jones Keith Aubrey Jones What a player he was What a player So I'm going to sort of I can't be bothered to think of anymore Um And I would say that maybe we can sign better from you in the future. Now, funnily enough, when Forrest signed Callum Hudson-Odoi, there's obviously something wrong with him. I don't know what, in fact, you can tell me. But to sign him for three million, to me, sounded an absolute steal, unless there's something going on I'm completely unaware of, which I'm sure you'll tell me. Because I thought, bloody hell, he could do us a job. So maybe if you do sign Tony, you'll be offering us all your, you know, all, the, all your things, people you don't want. Maybe a chalibur.
2: Cast-offs. Cast-offs.
1: You cast-off. Or a Broja. Is it Broja or Borgia? Broja. What Broder? Broyer. Who actually, I, I rate Broja. I think he's a good one.
0: You player. can have Jackson.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> please.
2: <laughs> Broja's injured again.
1: Yeah, well, thank God for that. But I, I, I rated him. I thought he he actually gave Ben Mee a 20-yard start. And Ben Mee's not that slow. And he just went vroom, straight yeah. past. Yeah. I, yeah, I thought he was very impressive, and then of course he cocked up an open goal, which probably was more more part of the course. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what is wrong with Hudson? In all seriousness, why did he go? I, I the... don't.
0: I don't think psychologically he recovered yeah. from really doing a nasty job in his Achilles when there was nobody within ten meters of him. Yeah, yeah. It was in. The, was it in the states? Wasn't it on that? It no, 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 no. It, it was a it was a it was a cut match at the brothers there, was mate. It? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're but thinking of You're thinking no of Loftus loft Cheek.
3: I am, yeah. Sorry, but he when he, he 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 struggled like a lot of these players. We've we've spoken about this before, Greville, on on, on this fan cast when they come back from Achilles or cruciates or stuff like that. Even though that may well be fixed, it's up here. The, mind. the yeah. first twinge, the first tiny little nick they get in that area, and some of them just collapse. And he just looked like he 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 he, he, he looked to us like he lost interest.
2: All but right. he, he would never take anybody on, was the yeah. problem. And yeah. Tuchel, Tuchel used to go mad, because clearly he was taking people on in training, but not when he got onto the pitch, which and Tuchel would actually make him his whipping boy in a team. He'd run down the the, uh, the touchline telling him to take people on, and then, and then scarecrow-like going back to the bench and uh, waving his arm around as if to say, you, you see, look what he's doing, he's doing it wrong again. You know, it's like that kind of thing that only yeah. Tuchel
1: can do. But you see, the point about it is... There's such an empowering, supportive environment of Brentford. That's not to say that behind the scenes, Thomas Frank doesn't have a go. You know, he's not Francis of Assisi. And I wouldn't like to get on the wrong side. Sergi Canos got on the wrong side of him and he got bummed out fairly quickly, I can tell you. Um, so, but the players play for him because he will never dig them out in public. He's mm-hmm. always very supportive. You're never going to see stupid histrionics on the bench. Yeah, you will see histrionics against referees. And time wasters. He has this this gesture that he will use again when the teams are wasting time, and referees will generally book him for it. Um, yeah, maybe maybe we will sign one of your players. Maybe you'll have a few in in exchange for Tony. But uh, anyway, I just thought I'd change the subject because I can't be bothered to think of the other. No,
0: no, I, I want to save save some for the others. Anyway, one thing I will say about Thomas Frank, though Greville, he's got wonderful hair.
1: Oh yeah, he's got great hair. Best
0: hair uh, in the league, I'd say.
1: And all, but his gum is a bit. Of, uh, is it? Of not. Okay,
0: yeah. I, I haven't noticed. I haven't. I haven't been up that that, that up close and personal like you have, uh, gravel it, It's been absolutely delightful having you on. You you are welcome back when we play you up there. I, I, I can't even remember when that is, but I don't know March, April probably.
1: If, if John wants to have me on, I will always be there. And if I have a spare ticket for the G Tech, as long as he wears a red and white shirt, because uh, away fans get thrown out. Now, in all seriousness, because. Really? Apparently- Apparently some Chelsea fans were caught dancing on the table in hospitality last season. Yeah,
0: I know them. I know them well. They're great friends of mine.
1: Yeah. I think I recognise one of them.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, you know what? I mean, we were so desperate to get there, and of course, it's very annoying because we have a pretty big away following still. And and I mean, I you know, it's it's annoying, it's like Bournemouth too. You only get about twelve hundred tickets, which is not enough. So they're like it's like rocking horse shit. But I everybody was galvanised to get an away ticket for Brentford and through very nefarious means which I then revealed to you a lot of my I actually was offered one but I didn't go because it was it was COVID time and I didn't really want to get COVID and give it to my missus so I bunked out but I actually I had a ticket for that game had I wanted it in the Brentford end
1: Ah, well, you wouldn't last long now. Well,
0: but but on the basis that for years and years and years after me taking Michael down there for his dodgy meat pie, I was on the Brentford mailing list for years, <laughs> offering me tickets. So, you know, I'm almost a Brentford fan. I don't know. I mean, just call me the fan cast version of Andy Jacobs, mate.
1: Personally, I genuinely think it's your turn tomorrow. I think you have, are sort of progressing... The false nine looks good. I assume that's what you'll be playing. That's one of the concerns I have with a 3-5-2. We'll have three half marking nobody. Yeah. Um, and that does worry me a little bit. And you'll have players, I'm sure, making deep runs. So who knows? Who knows? If, we, if we can hold you out and frustrate you and get the crowd on your backs, we've got a chance. If our keeper throws one in in the first 15 minutes, which is very likely, um, it could be a long afternoon. But you know what? We will We will have a lot of fun. And I'm going with mates. Uh, actually, I think I'm in the Chelsea end, funnily enough, tomorrow. <laughs> and
0: Good we, job we going... don't put this on YouTube then.
1: Oh, we're going somewhere called the Hunter's Moon, if that means anything, for oh, yeah. Fulham Road, for, for, for brunch at ten at, uh, 10.30. 86 Fulham Road. So oh, wow. if anyone wants to beat me up or... <laughs> <laughs>
0: No, we're not those kind of supporters, Greville, It's really been a delight for having you on. We'll get you back on when, when we uh, play you down at the G Tech uh, right. sometime next thank year. You.
1: When's this going on? Tonight or
0: tomorrow? Yeah, but get, go out sometime tonight. All
1: right, all right. All the best, guys. Enjoy tomorrow. We will. All the, thank, thank you. Great season. Speak to you soon. Yeah. Take care,
0: Greville. That's brilliant. Lovely, just lovely. Yeah. Well, wow, that was wonderful. I really, really enjoyed that. What, what an absolute legend, Greville is. Uh, right now, we're going to have a quick break, and then we're going to come back with our preview of the game.
2: I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Proper Chelsea
0: Football Fancast. Welcome back. This is the Chelsea Fancast. I am Stanford Chidge, and of course, I am joined for this wonderful preview show by Mr. Jonathan Kidd. Hello, everybody. Hello, Jonathan. You're in the square window today. Who's in the round window, Chidge? There aren't any. They're all square.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> We've got Tony Glover.
3: Good evening. I was going to say me, the fourth Earl of Townsend. <laughs> what were they thinking? <laughs>
0: Love it. That was so much fun. I'm I'm kind of like really getting... A
3: lovely chap. Yeah. He's the sort of chap you'd stand in a pub with, and he's probably one of those that in the end you just sit there and say, should we just sit here and have a drink and let and follow yeah. the game on Twitter? You know, yeah, like because he's yeah. interesting.
0: I, I, I've kind of, like, really got my head back into the game with these uh, opposite views, and, and they're becoming longer because was more more to ask. And it's, I don't know, maybe it's just Harry last week and Greville this week, and we'll get somebody boring on next week and we'll ask them three questions and then some to fuck off. I don't know. But I really enjoyed that. It's great fun. He's lovely, by the way, JK. What an informative chap he is. Yeah, sweet man. Sweet Scout, scouted met. by JK was our Greville.
2: I've known him since I was... Uh... Blimey. Nine. Nine. Blimey.
0: Good grief. He's put up with you for that long? Yeah, Incredible. He's looking, he's looking did good. You both,
3: did you both go to the same top hat shop?
2: <laughs> no, the same, The same stiff collar shop.
0: <laughs> I was wondering what you were going to say then. uh I think we should move on. It's now time for us to preview the uh, Chelsea versus Brentford game. Ooh, and of course, ooh, 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 this, ooh, I love this bit. It's JK's favourite bit of the week. It's where Chidge gets to write players' names on a very beautifully formed diagram, which looks like a pitch with footballers on it. Ooh, uh, ooh, yeah, ooh. it's Chidge's team selection. Okay, folks, are you ready for this? I am going. Uh, I'm going Colwell, Silver, obviously Sanchez and goal. Colwell, Silver, Dizarzi, Gusto as my four at the back. <laughs> Caicedo, Fernandez, Gallagher in midfield. Of course, there is no better midfield, in my humble opinion. And this is where it gets complicated because I'm going Mudrick, Sterling. Mudrick on the left, Sterling on the right, and Palmer somewhere in the middle. And, and this has been a cause of great consternation for me. <laughs> Um, I shall explain my thinking here. Um, Brentford are good at set pieces and are rather lumpy and physical, so I kind of thought, well, you know what, we need a bit of muscle in defence. So I thought we need Dzazzy back in with Silver. Cole, we need uh, to to uh, keep an eye on Mbwemo because he's rather nippy, <clears throat> which really meant, well, it's Gusto or James or Cucurella on the right, and. James won't won't start. He might be on the bench again. And Gusto is a right-back. Cucurella did a good job filling in as a right-back. Gusto gets it for me. The midfield, they don't change, obviously. And that's as I said, that's where it gets complicated, really. Because, you know, I, I, I find it so hard. I, I had a chat with Kerry, uh, Kerry Dixon, before doing this. And we were talking about this. And I said, I find it really hard not to pick Jackson because he is our only number nine. But he was so shit last week against Arsenal that I can't bring myself to do so. And actually, Kerry agreed. He doesn't think he's a, a natural finisher. And I, and, I, and he, he started saying to me exactly why I've done it. He said, I'd rather pick the three who are in form. And Mudrick, Palmer and Sterling are all in really good form. And I couldn't find a reason not to pick any of those three. So that, combined with Jackson doing bugger all last week, means that I think go with what worked last week, although it'll be against an entirely different team. And that's kind of also what worries me. And also, Jackson has a physical presence when he wants to. So I'm a bit I'm a bit conflicted, but I thought, no, go with your guts. Pick the guys who are in form. And that's Mudrick, Palmer and Sterling. I rest yeah. my case.
2: Uh, I think he will bring Jackson on later on as he did. I hope he doesn't bring him on replacing <sighs> Mudrick, who fell apart a bit against Arsenal. He did
3: unnecessary um, substitutions
2: i thought they were yeah absolutely because Mudrik was playing really well yeah. so he's he's su- he's so speedy that he he's, he's such a handful as a consequence of his even when he makes runs you can see everybody uh, panicking in defense just to keep up with him um as you say Chij, the fernandes casido Gallica is 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 un- unbreakable that uh, they're getting better and better um i, I just think the one thing is, is if they're so they're so speedy, and Bueno is so speedy, that's the one thing himself. Um, whether you play uh, Cowell Silver and De Sazi, um but also knowing that they're going to hoist the ball into the air from the throws and everything, or whether you play Cucurella, just because he's you know he's a he's a he's a very quick poodle, you know whether you play him as a as a runner. But I I actually agree with you completely. I think this is the team he'll play. I think he'll play the with Desarzi if De fit you'll play him. Um, and Gusto is gonna make but uh, Sanchez is gonna make an effort with regardless of his terrible rick during the week because he, he 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 wants him to play out from the back and uh, and he likes him as a goalie other than that terrible mistake. Um mm. um and Gusto is at the moment the man in con in, in in contention but he's the he's the the player he'll pick just because reese who may come on is just looking a complete caricature of himself so let's just let's hope he's improving in training because reese in that team um is if he at his best would you know would we'd suddenly have a a purring right back with some absolutely brilliant crosses because that's what that's what uh, Reese can contribute, and he's a brilliant defender. But we're not the the brief cameo we saw at the weekend was just dreadful. Um, but yeah, Chidge, I'd go with that completely. I agree with you. Yeah,
0: yeah. No, I'm I'm glad you agree. It's it, it's kind of becoming, in a way, nice when when we when we do all agree on the right team, and 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 not just because we've got 11 good players and the rest of them are all shit, you know, that actually, no, these are the guys in form. This is the system that works well for them. This is the job that they can do. And I mean, as I said, I've tinkered with the defense because I think we will need muscle up front. Dezazi's apparently fit to play. Colwell, we know can do a job at left back and he can take uh, Mbwemo out of the game, hopefully. So it's pleasing. It kind of fits in with the other narrative that's going on, which is that we are on the upturn, that we are, improving, and God help us, we bloody well need to. I'm going to read you out some stats, because you know we all love stats.
3: Well, I, I was just going to comment on that, team. I think... Sorry, Tony, thing, I,
0: I, I didn't mean to ignore you on that. Sorry. Yeah,
3: I just think that I, I have a feeling he may start um, Cucurella instead of Gusto. Um, I like Gusto, but he can be a bit rash in the tackle. He was a little bit fortunate against Arsenal that he didn't get... Um, well any more punishment. So was
0: Cuccarella, mate.
3: Well so was Cuccarella, but what I liked about Cuccarella, this Cookarella, not the one that Graham Potter tried playing or Lampard tried playing. This one was a chippy little bastard. Mm. Right? And we've been saying that we need chippy little bastards in the team or chippy bastards in the team for a while. You know, ones who let other players know they're there. The Cucarella from last season, of course, would have just backed off Uh, and and kept his distance, but he got an absolute, I don't know, I I know what I talked about last week and I I wasn't on the show Monday night, but he got an absolute Luke in against Saka when the ball had gone out of play. So they'd already blown the throw, but he sort of carried on and then took Saka out. Um, (coughs) He wasn't best pleased about it, Saka, but we were all sitting there going, fucking hell, well done, you know, let him know you're there. So, uh, and also, one thing about Cucurella, we have discovered, of course, is that he can play on the right just as effectively as he can play on the left. So I've got a feeling he might start ahead of Gusto, but I like that team. You're right about the midfield. Fernandez, Casido, Gallagher. Uh, have we got anybody waiting to step in that's coming back from injury? Because they're going to have a big problem breaking that three up. Mm. I know, think
2: Paddy, uh, Paddy is uh is um, training with the first team. Yeah,
3: so. I, I, I go to what you, I think it was even, I can't remember, it was your chief. We need some height. And Silver and Dizazi. Dizazzi is a unit, right? Um, and I think we're going to need that tomorrow because I think they will they Thomas Frank likes to play the nice game, but he's not averse to the the lump it up front and, and lob it in on free kicks and, and set pieces and long throws and that sort of stuff. Um and they're all valid parts of the game that I love. I love a long throw. I wish we had an Ian Hutchinson in the team because it's like having a corner. Yeah. Every where, where a Hutchinson could take a throw in from? It was like having a corner.
1: But it was like
2: with, uh, Rory de Lap wasn't it? Yes. So it, was always, it was always tricky. Whenever yeah,
3: was yeah. and I know the purists, are, we like the ball to be played along the floor. Well, it's never been played completely long because it isn't carpet football. It's fucking football and the ball will go in the air. And if it's launched from... You know, halfway down uh, in between the, 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 the goal line and the centre-up because you've got a bloke like Ian Hutchinson who can throw it into the box from there. That's a corner. That's as good as a free kick. So, I'd like to see more of that. But we are going to need, I think, a very robust showing in defence tomorrow because they will be at us.
0: And particularly um, really particularly with set pieces as yes. well. I mean, that's that's yes. their metier, isn't it? And, of course, it is. it is definitely not ours. Okay, a few stats as promised. Uh we are now unbeaten in four matches in all competitions, uh, having won three and drawn one. Uh, interestingly, uh, for a side that couldn't hit a cow's arse with a banjo, we've scored eight times in three matches in October, which is rather lovely. Um, Brentford share the half time distinction with us, a record charged by being the only side in the division yet to concede before the interval on the road. So there we go. So they don't concede early. Uh they beat uh, Burnley 3-0 as uh, as Greville was saying, um which is not too hard to do. Uh they have been struck down by injuries and suspensions to key players so far this term as he was also saying. Um and it is terrible. Chelsea have won just once in 12 Premier League outings uh against Brentford. that that doesn't make make sense, does it? This is, I'll read this out and see see if you think that they're talking what wank here. A relatively short trip across the capital to Stamford Bridge should encourage the Brentford players given that Chelsea... Oh, right, that makes sense. Chelsea have won just once in 12 Premier League outings at the bridge in our last 12. We've drawn six, lost five, which is just unconscionable considering what it used to be like. And, uh, of course, as we know, uh, Brentford have won uh, their two Premier League matches at Stamford Bridge. Uh, And Buemo has been instrumental in their uh, last... uh, their uh, back-to-back head-to-head wins against Chelsea directly contributing to three goals in those matches, one goal and two assists. And he was also on the score sheet at Burnley last weekend. And only two of the last 10 head-to-heads saw both sides score, which is interesting. So there we go. I mean, given that they've beaten us twice in in their their two previous visits to Stamford Bridge, I mean, this is not what I was saying last week about Arsenal looking for their fourth uh, win against us in a row. It's not those proportions, but I mean, for fuck's sake, this is Brentford. We need to stop this rot now, don't we, JK?
2: Well, this is Brentford with a huge injury problem. So, uh, it makes it even more terrible if we don't beat them. Uh, but, um, I, I think it'll be a, an interesting tactical thing as well. I think he's quite, he knows how they play. He mentioned, uh, today at the presser that they, they move it around and he, he knows that they like to play five across in midfield. So, um, uh, you know, we may see possibly another midfielder be te- brought on early, or you might have ways and means of trying to open um, the, the the slightly defensive approach they will have. Mm. I mean, th- we do know from from previous experience they rely heavily on Mbembo just be- the ball being kicked down the wing and him running after it, which they did with Henry as well. And so, but do you remember the League Cup game we played? Who was the way- who was the was the the boy who's now out on loan? um who played very well as a fullback was it simons
0: yeah. um yeah, yeah
2: yeah had him in his pocket just by being very very quick you know that's all he did so you they have to be very aware that the the they use the modern word the transition is a quick one i.e the ball's belted up the wing and they run after it um but uh i i i am very positive about us beating them just because of the injury set up and uh um, and I think will overwhelm them. I think he'll have something worked out. I think he's a, he's a canny manager, Pochettino, and I think we must be... And he, the very fact he mentioned at the press that they, they, they move their systems around, he he's on the ball for them. He knows mm. against them.
0: It's interesting, isn't it? You know, because we haven't played Brentford that much. We've played them 19 times, and we've won 10 of those, drawn three, lost six. What, what intrigues me, you know, pre-war, uh, we won in... JK will, of course, remember all of these, but we won... All of them. Yeah, we we beat them at the Bridge two one in our first match with them in thirty five nineteen thirty five. Then so, we lo- then we lost to them two one at Brentford, and then in nine 19- and then in December nineteen thirty six we won two one at the Bridge. Then we lost one nil to them at Griffin Park, and then in thirty seven we won. T- so it was like win loss win loss uh, win loss win loss win, and then we drew, and then we lost two. So pre war, we'd won three out of two four six eight lost four of them which is remarkable they were a
3: bogey team is what you're trying to say well no
0: because post-war it all then completely changed I mean we played them in 1950 in the FA Cup we won 1-0 then of course we had the one we went to at Griffin Park in 2013 drew 2 then we beat them 4-0 in the Mm -hmm. Cup beat them 4-0 in the Cup again then we went to the Premier League when when Brentford got in the Premier League and we won our first two games against them which were well we won the Premier League game 1-0 and the League Cup game 2-0 and then since then we haven't beaten them I mean we lost 4-1 at home under mm. Tuchel we lost 2-0 last season and we drew 0-0 there so yeah. it's a peculiar I wouldn't say they're a bogey team Tony but it's kind of on a on a very small sample it's quite mm. surprising to see that kind of win ratio really but well I, I mean I come from an area
3: of London right where um where you generally ended up Chelsea QPR or Brentford so I come from the West London Hayes area yeah um there weren't many Arsenal fans. You could
0: have, you could have First been a fan. Hayes and Yedding fan,
3: mate. I could have been a Hayes. Well, they weren't Hayes and Yedding. See, they were Hayes Football Club. We had a Hillingdon Borough Football Club. Oh,
0: Club. Canners played uh, for Hillingdon Borough. Yeah, yeah, uh,
3: and um, uh, and so we had a, we had a slightly different setup back in back in them days. But you know, with for the grace of God, go. <clears throat> I could have been a, with Brentford theoretically. With my closest team, they were closer to me than than QPR, um, and certainly closer than Chelsea. Um, but I don't recall them, you know. I, I The only time Brentford featured in my was when I worked at, at Southern Electricity at the uh, Iron Bridge offices in uh, the top Weirmool Lane junction with Uxbridge Road. Road. Um, and you only had, you, yeah, that was next to Brentford, basically, Brentford, Chiswick, all that sort of area. And, you know, I had this, like I said, this boss, Bob, who was a Brentford fan. But, uh, you know, in the days when he was even then, considered old school Brentford because he like I said he would go to the game wearing a trilby a yellow waistcoat a, you know a shirt tie tweed jacket you know proper look he looked like a bookie or a spiv um <clears throat> um and even back then he never ever could foresee a day when Brentford would be in the big time mm. that goes into what Greville was saying about the ground and that you know that kind of mindset I suppose but um they've certainly had the Indian sign over us lately and that worries me it's an early kickoff I think the atmosphere will be absolutely nowhere near what it was for the Arsenal game last week. No. I genuinely a... think it will be nothing like it. The I lunchtime it, games.
2: Even if we score, though, a couple, I think it will. It,
0: it might do. Yeah, but, but there's but five hours. Yeah, no, I know, I know five, you were ill last week. Five hours, so. five hours drinking time is the difference.
2: Yeah,
3: you were ill last week, so I know you weren't there no, for the for the Arsenal game. But J.K. will uh, bear witness to the fact that the minute you walked in that ground, it was electric. From the kick-off, it was electric. Yeah. Proper um, match, proper match. It was, it, it was, it was almost like that was the game Stanford Bridge needed yeah. to get its voice, find its voice. You know, get its voice it back. That good a game.
0: Look, it's it. You know, we need to win, obviously, because we. I mean, we. Uh, Nathan was asking, yeah. We, we've we've only yeah Nathan, we've only played uh, Brent four times in the Premier League, um, and we we're not looking too good on that. It's a bit, been a bit shabby, but. Um, we need to win obviously because we need to you know not let Brentford get ahead of themselves we need another good performance we need another win to keep the momentum going and prove that the, the the performance against Arsenal wasn't a fluke but the reality is JK Brentford for all of their struggles this season with injuries and stuff they they're they're a tough nut to crack I mean they are physical they get in your face they got they're really good at Seft I would describe them as gnarly.
2: I just think they're very, very speedy, and no, they're I think not, they're, not
0: at the moment, according to Gravel.
2: Oh well, as I said, Bueno is all that way. I still think they get the ball forward very quickly. I think they're very, and they they pass very quickly. He's a he's a clever man, the manager, but um, yeah, they're, they're going to be a, a difficult opponent. But I, I you know, we, we mustn't underestimate how we're improving.
0: All right, you're sounding positive, JK. Going to stick a number mm. on it.
2: Um, we're gonna lose one nil. No, no, we're um <laughs> Do
0: you know what? I was
3: nearly if you hadn't followed that up then JK I would have gone, hey, God, blimey, he's on a right down, aren't he? Because the last couple of times I've been on with you, you've done that. You've gone well, we're gonna lose this three nil, <laughs> whoever.
0: But JK positivity's back.
2: No, I think I think um I think it's gonna be uh, three nil.
0: Okay. that is positive. Tony. Well,
3: you know me. I do. I err on the side of caution. I have a generally pessimistic view because I believe that if I go positive, then I'm going to, it's a kind of God complex that, you know, if I say we're going to win, I'm, you know, uh, I'm I keeping you weighted
0: Chidge. Oh, I'm, sh- I'm fucking shagged, mate.
3: <laughs> but I, uh, so I, I tend to err on the side of caution, but this time, I'm going to go with what I've put in my Predictor League score, which is a
0: 2-1 win. Oh, I see. I've gone 2-0 on the Predictor League. Yes. The Predictor League, which I am now actually sitting in 10th place of. Yes,
3: I've I've had a disastrous few weeks. Yeah,
0: No, I'm in 10th.
3: I I, I appear to have adopted JK's mantle from the last couple of seasons.
0: (laughs) Where are you, JK?
2: I think I'm 15 from the bottom. Out of 1,550, I think I'm... Um, one thousand
0: five hundred and thirty-five. Where where are you in our league? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I, th- I, I, you might be ahead of Brian Justman, who is in Mixler at the moment. He will confirm or deny. Now, I am currently in tenth, which I've been keeping very quiet about because I mean, obviously, I know that that can change in a shake of a lamb's tail. But I am currently the top dog of the fancasters. I am even above Marco Worrell, who is in twenty-eighth place. So I am leading the fan cast pack at the moment. Who who would have thunk it? Who would have thunk it? So there we go. Right. Uh, so I'm going 2-0. Tony's going 2-1. JK's going, JK's going 3-0. But we all think Chelsea are going to win. I bloody well hope so. Right. Now, a little bit of healthy competition, boys. They played for both. 53 players have played for both Chelsea and Brentford. Who are they?
2: Now, uh, Chidge, it, um, was David Webb... Player manager when he went to them, was he just their manager? Webby
0: Webby is not on the list.
2: Okay, he must have been just their manager. Yeah, and, and, and was Lewington their manager? He was their manager. I know. Did he play for them as well? No,
0: his name is also not on the list. <laughs> <laughs>
2: well, I know that I know that. Um, what we didn't mention what Greville didn't mention was Tommy Lawton, of course.
0: Well, hang on. Re- Well, well, i got a ticket. One, you get a tick for Tommy Lawton,
2: yeah, and um. And I, I, of course, he said McEckram, which I was going to say, but that's obviously. Yes, that's, one I, that's the only one that springs to mind. And Ron Harris, of course, who he mentioned yeah. as well. And Keith Jones was somebody I, of course, he said that as well. So Keith
0: Aubrey other, Jones. Keith Aubrey Jones.
2: And the only other one I vaguely remember, I think Tommy Baldwin played for them. Was I right? His name that right?
0: is Tommy Baldwin. He's the leader of the. <laughs> yes. yes.
2: Yes. Otherwise, I'll have no. Uh, no memory whatsoever of any if of. If anyone
0: other. wants to argue, we'll kill the fucking lot. La la la. la. Nah. I love nah. that song. I love that. I sang that to Tommy Baldwin once. He chuckled. He chuckled. Right. Yeah. So that's is that it for you? Yeah. Okay. So you have got one, two, three, four, five. Tony, any 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 advance on that?
3: No, because I had couldn't run Um I thought. What to say? David Webb went as player manager but if he's not on the list list, list. then 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 there's nothing I can do about that. Um so yeah (laughs) I'm afraid that I'm a little bit and it is because I'm just one of these people when players leave I tend to just think, Oh well they've left and I don't really follow them much anymore apart from
0: they mean nothing to me anymore. Yeah they're dead to me to me son Yeah yeah yeah
3: (laughs) yeah
0: well I mean, J.K. and I was saying this last night when I revealed to him the horror that there were, in fact, 53 players that have played for both Chelsea and Brentford. I think this is the most we've had, which kind of tells you something about the relationship we've had with Brentford as our dumping ground. And when I tell you who's played for them, you'll understand why. Um, I'm going to read them in, in in the list in which... I think I think it's actually alphabetical. It is. It's an alphabetical list. That should have made it very easy for me. Right. There are some on here that you will kick yourselves about, and there, there will be some on here and you'll go who the fuck is that and nathan he of chelsea grave society has very kindly uh, sent me a thing which has got more information than i i, I have but it's very small cause it's on actually if i open up my twitter account on the on the computer i will be able to see it in letters that are big enough for my poor aged eyes to read so uh, let me just do that uh, and then i can add a bit of information to you should you require it Uh, Here we go. Okay, bingo. Right, that's great. So the list that I have got has got Joe Allen. Oh, Mm. I
2: hate you, Allen, that's what I shouted.
0: Yeah, Yeah, you never liked him, did you? Do you remember when he came on Love Sport and he was pissed or was that a show that you didn't do with me?
2: No, I wasn't involved
0: in it. No, it might have been a show that I was presenting that wasn't the Chelsea fan cast and he was really arsy and I think he was pissed. He was pissed, you know.
2: I can't believe it. I can't believe it. He was from Hartlepool, wasn't he? He was from
0: Hartlepools. Right, so Joe Allen, spelt with an O. George Anderson. Now, who was he, JK? Say again, what was his name? George Anderson.
2: Uh, Played in the 30s.
0: Very good. He was in the first team in 1928. This is supplemental information from the wonderful uh, Nathan. Uh he was cremated in Cambridge crematorium, probably a little bit too much information. Uh right, so George Addison, Tommy Baldwin, you got Mickey Block.
2: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh Mickey Droy as well. Mickey
0: he? Droy, you can have Mickey Droy. Uh definitely you can have him. Uh right, uh Peter Barota. Which
2: I think he said he played mid um pre season,
0: did yeah. Greville Greville mentioned him? Yeah,
3: but he didn't actually play, and I'm getting this from Mark on on uh, in Mixler, um, Barota did not play for Brentford, so he must have only played like a pre-season game, but he didn't he, actually play.
0: He was probably too pissed, bless him. Anyway, Jimmy <laughs> J- Jimmy Bowie, no relation to David, or maybe he was. Maybe he was. Uh, he played between 47 and 50. Yeah, uh, yeah. Billy Braun, what a fucking name. That's All right, polite, mate, my name's Billy Braun, and I'll fucking see you outside. <laughs> I love it, Billy Braun. What a name! Yeah. He
2: we could call Fernandez that Billy Braun, Billy Braun.
0: yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, uh, Billy Wiz
2: and call Fernandez. I Billy love it Braun.
0: anyway. Billy Braun played for the first team between 1907 and 11. Uh, Johnny Brooks, who Gre- uh, Greville mentioned, no nope, means nothing to me. I'm not going to say means nothing to me from now on. If I, if it does mean nothing to me, I'll just say Vienna, all right? And then you'll know what I mean. <laughs> uh, Peter Buchanan. Vienna. Right, 37 to 39, he played for us. Uh, Neil Clement.
2: Mm. Yeah, yeah, I think, I
0: think. Now, this is a very famous player, Jack Cock. <coughs> who oh, was- yes, Jack the
2: Cockster, yeah.
0: yes. He was a real superstar in the 20s, wasn't he? Uh, he yes. played for us in uh, 1919 to 22. He was the first Cornishman to play for England, and he won the military medal in World War One. How about that? Oh, okay. uh, Nick Colgan.
2: Oh, yeah, goalkeeper, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Jimmy Darcy. nah, I don't remember him. Played in the 50s. Alan Dickens. Oh. Oh,
2: Alan Dickens played for West Ham. Yeah, uh, West Ham player. Uh, did he went from West Ham to us, then to Brentford, didn't he?
0: Yeah. Uh, Hugh Dolby. Oh, did
2: Frank Brunston play for
0: them? Nope.
2: Oh, okay. Hugh, <laughs> we're
0: on, we're on the D's. That's the clue, right? That would make, that would make sense. Yes. <laughs> Hugh Hugh Dolby. <laughs> he played yeah. for us in nineteen nine ten. Mickey Droy. Obviously, we got Bill Bill Finlayson.
2: Well, he was the bloke who used to do those double takes in all the in all the silent movies with uh, Laurel and Hardy.
0: Very possibly, but not the same player. 22 23, he played for us. Lee Frost.
2: Yeah, yeah, Lee Frost, I remember, yeah.
0: How about <laughs> this one? We all know who this is. Bill Garner. Oh, blimey. Was that after he played for us? I think it must have he been.
2: One of bomb blonde
0: uh Ron Greenwood.
2: Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Played centre half for us, didn't he? Then he was managed England, managed and England.
0: Yep, Gareth Hall. Blimey. Gareth Hall's midfield genius. Gareth Hall played for Brentford. Robert ne- himself. Yeah. yeah, I never knew that. Ron Harris, we knew. Stuart Houston.
2: Yes, of course he did.
0: Yes. Yeah. Gary Johnson.
2: Yeah, he was. Com- Greville was complaining
0: about him. Keith Jones, we know about Joe Keenan. Oh, yeah.
2: Right. yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, George Kennedy, not that one. He played for Chelsea between nineteen oh eight and 1909. And as Nathan says here, emigrated to Canada and served with Canadian Expeditionary Force in World War One. Canada's most decorated soldier in World War One, winning military medal, distinguished conduct medal, and was mentioned in dispatches. Killed in action 16th of November 1917, buried in Lissenhoek hook Military Cemetery in Belgium. We will visit his grave on Alex's tour. There's a sneak preview of what I'm going to finish off with tonight. Um, Okay, Mark's favourite player of all time for Chelsea. Who would this be? His answer to every quiz question. JK, it's a clue. He's,
2: yeah.
0: Uh, DJ uh, Dropper. No, Joel Marika. Oh, yes. Yes. Uh, Tommy Lawton, you knew. Colin Lee. Didn't know that. No. Bill Livingston. Uh, Vienna. Barry Lloyd. Vienna. Barry Lloyd played for Fulham. Yeah. Okay, yeah. you know him. Uh, Andy Myers. I didn't know that. Yeah. Eric Rabbit Parsons.
2: Oh, good old Rabbit! Blimey, he was a winger. He was. As you'd expect with a name like Parsons. Well, uh, like like Rabbit, and he played because um, he, if you he were known as Parsons, he'd be a vicar, wouldn't he? He would. But he, um, uh, I think he played just prior to them winning the title. If I remember.
0: He did. Uh, Johnny Payton, Vienna. Jerry Payton, He he Crops. I've up been to his time. place. <laughs> love it. <laughs> I have
3: to take one for the teenagers. Uh,
0: Graham Ricks. These guys have, have also played for Arsenal. They were on last week's show. Uh, Fred Rouse, uh, 1907 to 1909. Mel Scott, 1958 to 62.
2: Yes, Mel Scott was in. I've got a picture of, uh, with him in, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Steve
0: Sherwood. Oh, blimey.
2: Steve. Is that pre, pre-Chelsea and then he went to Watford after that? Yeah. Or was it after
0: Watford? You Neil Shipperley. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh-oh. Right. Frederick Taylor, Vienna. Uh, S- Sid Tickridge. I've Fif- the name.
1: Yeah, 50s.
0: Yeah, 50s. 50s. Yeah. Uh, Clive Walker is... Uh, you, you, I mean, Greville mentioned, but you did too. James Watson played in 1905 6 for us. Uh, Graham Wilkins, oh, interesting, yeah. Steve, got... Steve Sidwell, yeah, ah, of course. Uh, Josh McEachran, we all know about John Swift. Oh,
2: yeah, he, did he just play once for us? I think Swift.
0: Yeah, he, you one of our youngsters we let go. And then the last four uh are are uh, well Jerry Baker played in the fifties, USA International. Uh, Ronald McKenzie was a reserve basically these are reserve players. I don't think they made a first team appearance. So Gerald, Jerry Baker, Ronald McKenzie was in nineteen oh seven, nineteen oh nine, James Wilkie, nineteen twelve to thirteen, and last but by no means least, Cyril Bacon, who uh was uh, who was a, a played for us in 45 46 he didn't make the brentford first team either so that's your 53 so how about that blimey blimey It'll Be more wow. than any, any others who are we playing next Spur. spurs spurs there'll be yes. there'll be quite a lot on there won't there that'd be interesting to see how many there are yeah. on there. So there you jolly well go. Um well played both of you. That was really quite hard this week, although it's surprising to see how many people we kind of actually knew but completely didn't realise or forgot that they had actually played for both. But uh them's the breaks as uh some They played for both. They play we, we need a sting, JK. We do, we, we need, need that. a sting. They played for both. They, they need played me. for both. We need a charmingly <laughs> worn sting. We definitely do. Right, that's pretty much all there is uh, for us this week. But I, I will, because Tony's on the show as well. Uh, plug yet again the Chelsea Fancast on tour, where me and the gang go on a long weekend in France and Belgium to follow the story of Chelsea in the First World War. And actually, it's, I mean Nathan mentioned a bit of military history about some of these chaps that played for yeah. Brentford and Chelsea. Nathan's definitely going, uh, and he's full of very interesting facts like that. But I mean, it's a, it's a great trip, isn't it, Tony?
3: Yes, it is. It's a fantastic. We've said it before, and I I will never get tired of saying what a great, great trip it is. And it's, you know, for for anybody who's never been to Epe, it is just beautiful as well. Well, we, we,
0: you and I, you and I did the Men in Gate. I mean, every, every day at the Men and yes. Gate, they play the last post and they have loads of yes. people congregate. Tony and I were together, weren't we? We sat together watching it. Was you, very emotional. Did, uh, and you it? gave
3: me a bollock in there because did I? Uh, we got there, we got there a bit early. I think about 45 minutes early. Cause it's about six o'clock, isn't it? I think yeah. they, they, they do the last post. We've got about, well, we have been out all day and walking around across ever. And I remember saying, <laughs> we stood there, but it was about 45 minutes early. It was about a quarter of an hour. And I said, God, bro, I said, my feet are fucking killing me. And Tidge just said, shut the fuck up about your feet. I think these people suffered a little bit more than that, mate. And I went, yeah, all right.
0: Jesus <laughs> but, Christ, I was a bit, a bit, uh.
3: Yeah, yeah. You, you said it in a kind of friendly, badly way, but it was, it was, I just thought, you've got a good point there. I'm standing there, you know, waiting to do the last post. I'm moaning about my feet, for Christ's sake. Well, Getting a sense of perspective, Tone.
0: But it's a lot of fun. I mean, we have we had a we had a huge amount of laughs. You and I, we drank far too yeah, much, far too much booze. Fun. But yeah. we learnt so much. And Alex and Andrew Holmes, uh, also um, known yeah. as Holmes, and uh, the Kaiser, also known as Johnny Dyer, who used to be uh, Tony's partner in crime on the Podding Shed, uh, are all very knowledgeable actually. And we learnt a huge amount. And it's it's just brilliant. And lots of Chelsea mates go. And uh, and you and also there's there's kind of a, a real football interest, a Chelsea football interest in it as well. They go and they go and find. I almost said they go and dig up, which would have been the wrong way to put it, really. Yeah. They, they, they go. They go and find lots of Chelsea players who fought and died in the war, and tell you all their backstories. And they will even do it if you have a relative out there. Um, who fought in the Great War, who who may be buried out there. And providing it's kind of, you know, in, I mean, they're not going to take you to Iraq or something like that. You know, it needs to <laughs> be like in the Somme or near Epe. But if it yeah. is, they will, they will find the grave and they will find out the backstory to give you information that you may not have had. They did yeah. that for me and my great-grandfather. So it's, it's brilliant. And it'll be June the 21st to the 24th next year. So midsummer's weekend. So if you're going to Glastonbury, forget it. Don't go to Glastonbury. Yeah. Go to the Chelsea fancast. Yeah, go on the fancast yeah. on tour. It'll be cheaper slightly. <laughs>
3: yeah. Anyway, and you'll get to see and you get to see me and Chich in our what I would say more relaxed habitat as well. St- so yeah. you'll you'll get the gist of uh, the banter and the and the folly the folly of two grown men saying we shouldn't really have another beer. We shouldn't really do this. And then proceeding right ahead and doing exactly what we've just said we shouldn't do.
0: Indeed, socially, socially relaxed as I think you'll exactly favorite. socially relaxed. Yes, indeed.
3: Right. What did if... they used to say about? Um... The the journalist was it Jeffrey Bernard? They used to have about in private was it Jeffrey Geoff, Bernard is unwell. That's
0: right. Yeah, that was,
3: that was how it was published when he was uh, too hungover. To, well, to I,
0: when I I worked in Soho for many years, and I used to drink in the Coach and Horses, which was oh right, famously his pub. I, I've met him and and had drinks with him, but I, I when I inevitably would not turn up to work the next day because I was very hungover, I would send the message: David Chigi is unwell. Unwell. Yes. <laughs> they all knew. They all knew exactly what I meant. Yes. Okay, yeah. right. If you want more information about this uh, war tour, Chelsea Fancast War Tour, it is Historia I S T O R I A Travel dot org, or or just just email Chelsea and I'll uh, uh, I'll you know email at Chelsea Fancast. Sorry, email Chelsea Fancast at gmail.com and I oh. will make sure I put you in touch with Alex and uh, and sort it all out. All right. So there you go. It really is not one to miss. They're great fun. I commend it to you. Right. We will be back on Monday for the main Chelsea fancast show with me and JK. And I I very much hope Dean Mears. um, I I need to speak to Dino to make sure he's still on board. But I've got him slotted in. We very rarely get to have uh, Dino on the show because he's so busy uh, doing the wonderful Went to Mo Kings Meadow, which you should all listen to. It's brilliant, their show on the women's game. Um, So hopefully Dino as well. We'll be looking back at the match against Brentford. And we'll be looking ahead to the Caribou cup match against blackburn rovers which i sadly won't be going to but uh, i know many of you will uh quick shout out for patreon thank you thank you thank you to so many of you who have joined up it's it warms the cockles of the heart of an old man it's very sweet of you
2: am i that old man
0: you 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 warm my cockles in other ways jk uh anyway so if you want to warm the cockles of the heart of an old man uh you just bung a few quid to patreon every month and that's all you need to do really patreon.com forward slash chelsea fancast is where you go to sign up and if you do you are entitled to a kerry dixon banner a mini uh kind of replica of the one that's hanging in the matthew harding end and of course you can immediately join our discord group which is fantastic really good people in there lovely people most of whom are in mixler when they when we do the shows and they listen live and they're chatting away live. and it's uh, live well live. done jk uh, so it's like it's like a 24 7 mixler it's brilliant i commend that to you as well in off the post jk and i did it in off the post last night a lot of fun um and we had some great emails so if you want to send your emails patreon messages instagram messages facebook messages tweets you name it instagram i said that already it's like the generation game and for fuck's sake anyway <laughs> uh get them in i mean i say by the end of the day on sunday but we kind of do the show randomly so i just kind of collect them and then we do them but just send them in that's the main thing chelsea at gmail.com is the place to do that you can follow the show on all the social media at chelsea fancast me at stanford chid jonathan at jonathan Kidd and tony at grocer jack uk marvellous tony lovely to see you mate sorry we 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 incurred the wrath of uh h earlier on
3: no you didn't uh it was and and any wrath will be directed at me and it won't it was just the fact that she she got back a bit earlier than she normally does on a friday night so there you go no problems at all it's been a pleasure to be on here and i i i I enjoy these these are far less stressful aren't they these uh
0: because because nothing has happened yet
3: No, nothing has happened yet.
0: yet. We're all positive, aren't we? It's like, yes, we are. Yes, we're
3: we're, we're, we're bathing in the warm waters of hope before
0: we drown.
2: We're not, as I say, we're not passing judgment. We're just because we've done that before. We're just hopeful what
0: might happen, apart from your grudges, obviously, that have still still lingered from the week before, JK. Yeah, there are are many. But they are, aren't they? Tony's nailed it. This is why I enjoy these shows so much because they're like, it's the end of the week, so I don't have to go to work tomorrow. i yeah. to the football tomorrow. I can have a drink. Life is good on a Friday evening. And, uh, yeah, I've figured it out. Well done, Tony. You've nailed it for me. Thanks, mate. Lovely. Lovely to see you. Hopefully I'll catch up with you at some time tomorrow. I know you've got to nip back quite early. Uh,
3: you? Yeah, I might be out. It depends what time we get there. We might, I might make it to the pub briefly beforehand because yeah. it's uh, – uh, I think we are leaving about half-nights. We should be about 11. But, you know, even then, it only gives us a, a short period of time in the pub, well, doesn't it?
0: Well, I'm going to get there for opening because I've got to pick a ticket up at 11.45, which is a bit annoying. But yeah, hey-ho, anyway. um, Hopefully see you tomorrow. JK, as always, an absolute pleasure. We've had once, twice, three times a fancast this week. Well done. <laughs> and I love you. You times a fancast. <laughs> And i love it. yeah it's been great fun this week i really really enjoyed it um i I don't know i mean, never know i might bump into you tomorrow but uh i know you'll you know be with your posh friends so it might be difficult very
2: posh tomorrow
0: very very who's posh. your guest uh i don't have one you don't have one nope i don't know well have a great time mate enjoy the game i know you will uh hope to see you tomorrow tony enjoy the game uh you lot yeah. out there of course um I've 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 just done something really stupid. I've shut something down which I didn't mean to shut down, but I can, I can actually, uh, I can, I can resurrect it from the grave. No, I mean I've really had a lot of fun tonight. I don't know why. As I said on Fridays, it always seems to be a lot less stressful, as Tony said. So well done. Yeah. Right. Thank you, you lot, for listening. Uh, particularly those of you who in Mixler who have been chatting away. Especially, actually, we should give a shout out to the wonderful legend that is Mark Mean, uh, the chairman of the Sporters Trust, an all-round good guy. Who uh has been on the media all week talking about the uh the the, the fixture change to Christmas Eve. But he's also been out on the, the annual Matthew Harding kind of celebratory lunch uh with, with amongst others Spackers and Alan Hudson and many people that we know and love. And it basically it's a very hard day drinking, and yet he still turned up to listen to the show live and is in Mixler. That's the kind ah, of guy he is. Never stops, Mark. Never stops. Good no. on him. Absolute legend, isn't he? He really is. Oh. We're, wow. we're privileged to, to count him as a friend mate that's for sure yeah, right lovely thanks for listening see you next week until then keep it blue keep it carefree keep it shells oh, oh, ah, oh, yeah. yeah. ah, oh, ah. up <laughs>